one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Movie Marathon. We have reached our 11th film in the Die Hard on a Blank series, and we are here to wrap up this run uh, and talk about the 1993 Sylvester Stallone classic, Cliffhanger. Hello, Mike. Die Hard on a Mountain in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Die Hard on a Mountain in Italy. That's supposed to be Colorado. Colorado. <laughs> Which it looks, it looks fantastic. It does. I actually was going to say the irony of it is, is the the Italian Alps look I significantly cooler than. Would love to go to the Italian Alps. It looks amazing. I, uh, I, yeah, I. Well, and what's interesting was, um, they shot almost all of the movie, I think, in the Italian Alps. But then, for the biggest stunt of the movie, for insurance reasons, they had to shoot it in the U.S., which is yeah, bizarre. Yeah. Well, I don't even think it was necessarily insurance. I think some of it was, or was flat it legal? Out. It I think like, it's flat out Europe was like, yeah, that's illegal here. You don't like, <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah, kill fair. people. <laughs> that's fair. I, uh, I, so Mike and I spent a good, probably 15 minutes ahead of this talking about Stallone's <laughs> entire career. And so we really should have just recorded all of it, but the highlights were professionally Stallone has a better career probably than um, Schwarzenegger. It's easy to forget that Schwarzenegger or Stallone had the entire Rocky franchise before he became John Rambo, before the Expendables, before Cliffhanger, before John Spartan. So it's it's kind of it is it is pretty impressive how many sort of uh, turns on his career that Stallone's had. I mean, he also did all, like all the other action movies in the early eighties, like Nighthawks, which is I thought was really good. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I've heard it's good. Uh, Victory is like a sports movie. Uh, <laughs> I don't. It's all we need to do it then. So is it not good? As much. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it like the premise it's like Michael Caine good. and Sylvester Stallone are on the but same soccer Stallone team Stallone is maybe miscast in it or it, I, it's it's good it's just got some very ridiculous things that happen in it that's like you, you need a big suspension of disbelief to, well, to buy it, it. but we, we should but like, that would be one for us to do it'd be fun to talk about it's on my list of on my letterbox of, of stuff I want to see. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I, I do want to see it. I feel like, uh, in the other one, I, you and I were talking about, that I've not seen if Stallone's is Oscar. We were talking about Stallone's very short foray into comedies. I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me know when you do see victory. Cause if not the next time, so, so Murph and I, uh, kind of started a tradition on, on different things where like, so we were late dropping our last episode because I was sick. So Murph was nice enough to send me uh, some <laughs> Stallone Blu-ray set. <laughs> uh, uh, I've watched The Specialist so far, which... Uh, Please tell us what your favorite part of it. <laughs> had only seen that on TV before. It was not ready for the extended sex shower scene with Stallone. And uh, I'm... Uh, uh, I'm blanking on her name. Sharon Stone. Yeah, so that came out of the blue to me. Um but uh, but we, so when one of us is like sick or just I don't know, there's like something that seems really fun, uh, we'll send each other something. So the next time around for me, if you've not seen Victory yet, I'm 100% sending you a copy of Victory. Oh, no, do it, do it. I I, I haven't, and I, I, every now and then it pops up on streaming. I I, I want to see it. Um, it's uh. I, I'll be honest. Um, I kind of draw a blank on Stallone after about 2001. Um, whenever he did drive, anything after about drive, I was, I was kind of, uh, or driven, excuse me, anything after driven, I'm pretty checked out on his career. I've seen the, um, I've seen the first Creed, which I thought was really good, but that's not really his movie. Yeah. 
I did right. laugh. Yeah, did, you, I mean, did you see yeah. that uh, uh, Stallone uh, shitting on Michael B. Jordan's uh, Creed Three? I did not. Oh, I saw it was he was he was he was complaining about like the creative creative differences he saw in the movie. I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> like, yeah. we're fine. Well, I'm glad he's not lost that. Uh, that I feel that's pretty been good, pretty consistent in his career from him. That like as talented as he is, and that like he really has a difficult time uh, like letting go of that creative it, yeah. control like i did enjoy yeah. that uh cliffhanger cliffhanger has a he has a writing credit for the script on it like it's him and somebody else uh well <laughs> and apparently i was looking in the my mdb trivia they bought the script for like half a million dollars and then had to pay like two other producers or writers who had registered like had enough of like a similar concept or registered something some money and like so it seems the uh writing <laughs> credit maybe a little up in there it's a yeah oh it's a little tough because as we're doing it's die hard on a mountain it's like yeah i'm sure a ton of people have that idea yeah i remember uh our high school computer science teacher had written a script <laughs> about that actually ended up becoming the same premise as white house down and um uh, you mean the computer science te- teacher who was in, I think, like Kickboxer Four. <laughs> was he in Kickboxer Four? It was like Best of the Best, or yeah, he was in one of those. But, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, Ed as like a, one of the fighters. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I believe claimed he could have kicked everyone's ass on set, but you know, it was a movie, so he couldn't do that. So little, maybe a little bit of Seagal in him. <laughs> little, yeah, maybe maybe he was on a Seagal set too at one point and picked up some bad habits. <laughs> How you're supposed to treat your cast but I, members. I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe Ed Kim really was a, <laughs> the most badass fighter to live. I, I when I watched Olympus Down and, and the White House or and White or Olympus was falling and White House is down. Um, uh, I did look for his name in the credits somewhere. It's just I was like, I, I was <laughs> like, it'd be pretty awesome if like holy shit, he did it. He got there. Because <laughs> yeah. in nineteen, I remember in, in uh, nineteen, must have been like ninety nine or two thousand. One of his classes. He made us watch the Laserdisc uh, version of The Abyss. And it was like four uh, hours. It was like four. So it was like literally the entire school week, we just went to his class and watched The Abyss. <laughs> like in I, can respect, I can respect that. I, it was great. And I think I actually give him a lot of credit that uh, that it made, it turned me on to a lot of stuff that Cameron did besides just the Terminator. And uh, um, so, so props to, to Mr. Kim. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> so... <laughs> We were talking about uh, Stallone's illustrious career uh, and Cliffhanger. I kind of think Cliffhanger may... He has Demolition Man in him. Like, is it the same year or is it the year after? Because this is 93. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah, Demolition Man's either the same year or I want to almost say 92. No, it's not that No, early. Demolition Man's 94, so it's next year. So a nice little run for him. And then and he gets the, the special, it all the in Judge Dredd and Assassins and Daylight and yeah. uh, Assassins isn't bad. I wouldn't mind doing it here. I I, I like okay. it. Okay, I've not I seen like that it. in a long time. Okay, so, so. um, I'm definitely going to be watching it soon though. So then I have a Blu-ray of it. Delightful. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're right. Like this is this is to me like the last real tentpole movie i can think of for me at least with stallone where it's a big action movie it's not demolition i'd still put put demolition man up there um for for when it when it came out for the moment because the taco bell endorsement because it was my favorite movie when i was in the (laughs) grade. 
I, I I like Demolition Man, but I think like um serious action movie that has like a decent maybe plot behind it. Oh, this definitely and, holds up better than and not like yeah, like not weird crazy sci-fi. Is, I I I love Demolition Man. It's it, no, I, I do too. Yeah, I remember <laughs> this holds, watching. This holds uh, up better. Um, well, we already talked about it that in 1994, I guess we we learned the other day it was for Sega Genesis. Um, <laughs> that I played in the uh. The blockbuster <laughs> Sega Genesis Championship. It was the second year, and I got my ass kicked. It was the uh, Rights for a Road blockbuster, and you get to play as John Spartan. I like how you say that. Like the, in the future, there's going to be people doing tours of our podcasts. Like that's where Murph and Mike like saw that movie. That's where Murph was in the blockbuster contest. Oh, uh, I'm just threading this in there because when I inevitably get dementia, I can at least listen to this and be like, oh yeah, like for a second, I'm like, God, that's where it was. Uh, oh yeah, I wasted my life. I've wasted my whole life. But I, I am trying to think. I'm like, I'm curious if there's anything in that blockbuster now. I'm uh, I'm gonna look Google Maps it, but uh, <laughs> um but I, I do think this is the last big Stallone movie that to me was like holds up the best. Yeah, like like that pro- probably working with the most talent all the way around in the movie. And 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 that helps really propel propel it on a lot of different fronts. I think. Yeah, and, and yeah, I guess we'll start getting into it. But I had, I had a kind of a thing to go on of. We shot so much about Judge Dredd on here, and they're, they're like almost the flip side of the same coin. Where this is the kind of movie you can only get from Hollywood, and it's yes. kind of Hollywood firing on all cylinders. Where it's like a solid action director. A good score, great act, great like star and lead, great supporting actors, you know, professional like director of photography, and then you're filming it in places that are extremely expensive and doing very expensive stunts that only Hollywood is going to have the resources and the willingness to go do. And Dread is like the flip side of that. It's like yeah, and. Hollywood is the only one who's making Judge Dread. That's when all of that goes wrong, <laughs> and this is when it all goes right. A hundred percent. I think Dread is a or Judge Dread is a good example of when you don't have a good premise beyond "Hey, we've got the biggest celebrity in the world, and that's enough for us to whether the movie's good or bad that we have enough to market it." Um, quick update. Really depressing. Um, the blockbuster of my childhood is now an optometrist office. <laughs> and I'm looking at the front window and it's just a, like a discount on eyeglasses. And that's right where I played, uh, um, judge, uh, uh the, the demolition man game. I'm going to drive there tomorrow, slap that optometrist in the face and just say, <laughs> you change you it have, back. Motherfucker. Do you have no respect for history? You, change you know back. what happened here? <laughs> In 1994, Andrew Murphy did not excel past the most basic level of this shitty competition for a video game. I'm bringing a Super Nintendo. I'm bringing Judge Dredd. Yeah, and it's going to go really good. And this fucker's going to watch it. Um, yeah, I got to go check and see if my kid's uh, Nintendo Switch has like a game for that so I can try it out. Uh, sadly, I don't, I don't think they do. I don't think it does. Uh, anyway. Uh, and I'm guessing licensing and things... That's why, it, no, sorry, we, we're going to go way off. This. <laughs> it's a, I, I have so much I want to talk about this movie. I don't want to waste time. No, no, we, 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 got, we got a lot. Let's talk about Gabe Walker, Gabriel Walker. I want to spend and... like 
tribulations about, of Gabriel Walker. About three hours talking about the first twenty minutes of this movie because it's up there with any action movie ever made. The first twenty minutes are phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah, and my wife was asking me. She's like, "What came first, Cliffhanger or uh, Ace Ventura 2 with the opening?" And I'm like, "Oh, come on! It's like Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger came first." For those who don't know, it's a uh, Ace Ventura parodies the beginning of this, where a raccoon falls from the top of a mountain and it scars him forever. Although I wouldn't mind living in the world where Ace Ventura 2 came first. Oh, and Stallone's like, we gotta, we gotta Stallone, take, Stallone. We gotta take <laughs> this Jim Carrey guys on something. It really, it really got me. I, I just want to make a movie like that. That hits me <laughs> in that way. Uh, yeah, that's and actually. Uh, try not, way. try not to be impressed by my solo impersonation either. I, I uh, no, I, I, I'm not even gonna try. Top notch. <laughs> fantastic take on Italian Americans, Mike. Okay, so I remember as a kid, adults like. Because this is rated R, came out in '93, so I would have been like nine when this came out, and so I wasn't like getting taken to the theater to go see this. Um, but I remember like adults in my life like talking about this movie, and especially talking about how awesome the opening scene was. And you can see like visually, there's a lot of shots, not just in the opening, but it's throughout the movie of mountain climbing where it's some long helicopter shots i think there's some composite shots later in the movie there are but climbing that and there's some red projection in the opening too but even now it still holds up well and there are times where i'm not a hundred percent one way or the other um if it is because sometimes especially with things like this that have the massive depth like a cliff would it's like well yeah the lighting at the bottom of the cliff is probably different than the lighting at the top of the cliff so I, I don't I want to give the benefit of the doubt where I can. Uh, but so I remember people talking about this and like raving of like you gotta go see it in the theater. It was incredible, it was awesome. And yeah, it holds up really well. That opening scene is intense. I mean, it's melodramatic as hell as much of this movie is. Uh, but it it's a blast. It pulls you right in. Yeah, it's shot. I was looking it up. It's shot in on an anamorphic lens. Um, and and Alex, uh, I believe the DP's name was um, as Alex Thompson. And uh, uh, they shot it. Interestingly, it looks like it was shot on thirty five millimeter. But it also sa- says that it was distributed in some cases in seventy millimeter, which is oh, wow. um, okay. Which That's is uh, awesome. oh god, what is that called? It's kind of like the IMAX equivalent, but I can't remember what it was called. It's. It, I think they were using Panavision cameras, and so anamorphic to give it a wider, a wider kind of yeah. look to it. But you're right. Like uh, the the opening sort of vistas of of what's supposed to be Colorado. <laughs> it's it's uh, Italy, yeah. but um, it looks beautiful. And I I think my takeaway too was I wish I could see this in theaters because it, it does feel like it's a pretty big yeah. sort of visceral experience to see on the on the on the big screen. Yeah, it, it, and which I do have some nitpicks in this movie because there are times where they switch and it's like oh they're on a set now <laughs> and it's just yeah. like glaringly obvious and it's like it's like yeah that set doesn't hold so i i definitely have some difference it looks so incredible when it looks good then it's like oh you're on a movie set and it looks fine but the juxtaposition of the two because the one looks so amazing well, it's hard to fake. I mean, the light, they can't, it's like the lighting is not unlike the lighting in your bedroom, which we were talking about earlier. The lighting in your bedroom looks like it's a studio. I don't know why, but it's just very brightly lit and, and very, very, very light. Uh, and that's, that was kind of the issue I had with uh, some of the sets when they're, when they're trying to shoot a set for outdoors, 
really just doesn't hold up. Like the whole infight between, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna screw this guy's name up, but it's Travers. Um, Travers, thank you. I can never get it, uh, get his name right. Kept calling him Travis in my notes. Um, uh, as you said in your notes, out of one out of zero out of ten, is that a ninety-five? He said a ninety-five. I gotta look it up, but um, fun, fun trivia fact about his name is Rex Lynn. Um, when I was watching this a few months ago, I was going through IMDb to look at trivia, and it, it pops up, and like his IMDb photo, I think, is like him and his wife, and his wife is Reba McIntyre, which is such a weird like. Good for them, I hope they have a happy. It, I am. I hope they're happy too. It's just such a weird. It's like the the, the last person. I don't know why the last person I would have expected is like. Uh, yeah. That... Like yeah, he's married to country western star and and star of Tremors, uh, Reba McIntyre. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Are you with the lady from they, Evening Shade? They got to be married to somebody. Like, yeah, it's, um... it does. It just feels like um, maybe Reba McIntyre is like coming down a level, and this guy's batting <laughs> up a level. <laughs> just, like, I don't know. Weird. I mean, it's not a show I watch, but this guy's also the principal on Young Sheldon. Oh God, he was also <laughs> in. Uh, I think he's also in Rush Hour too. He oh, he's the... like a ton of stuff. That yeah, he, he's but kind that of a, does... a that guy for a while. That does feel uh, familiar, <laughs> but um, but yeah, when the fight with him at the end and uh, with Travers and uh, with uh, uh, Gabe, it looks really, it looks like a, a bad set. It looks like somebody just took like like bad spray on snow and just kind of hosed an entire set, and they put some trees up. I'm like, okay, we're just gonna shoot it. Nobody will be able to tell the difference. I kind of feel like in '93, you probably couldn't tell a difference. You could maybe get away with that a little more. Yeah, I I, but, I don't know. I have a hard time saying it's in the theater on like 35 millimeter. Like I, I have to think it was jarring. Where like I think when we would have watched this, probably a lot of times on TV as kids, you probably couldn't tell them. Mm. Um, but well, until that but point, I, remember, I don't think audiences were quite as sensitive to that stuff in 93 no and, and to your point i think what looks probably worse and it's more distracting for me was um i, I give him credit because there's not really a lot of cgi if any in here uh, there's definitely a lot of the... some in the stuff i i read it was be early and so it's pretty good then yeah but i because... think a lot of it is i'm guessing is so there's like a great shot kind of midway through the movie of stallone his character gabe free climbing just free climbing is how it starts and you have no idea kind of it's zoomed in on him and it zooms out and it just like keeps zooming out. And it is a really impressive shot because it like it goes until you almost like can't even distinguish him on the cliff face anymore. So yeah. it, it, it's like he's climbing this massive cliff wall. Uh, and I, I think that like I think some shots like that have some CGI yeah. around the edges. You can kind of see like he's in a little almost like a little box of sorts that that's that, the composite. It's still of... pretty good. Yeah, it is. It's still pretty it is. good. That, and that, that's the kind of stuff those CGI works pretty decent for. It, it, it does. Um, feel like if you can get the seams right then the rest of it, you'll be OK. on. Yeah. Have you ever. um also, right, you probably can't have Stallone out there free climbing a thousand foot cliff. So I'm willing to. <laughs> I kind of feel like at this point in his career, he's just not going to do it. Like, like well, he, I'm I mean, willing he, to. Uh, he's in his late forties. He's in his late forties when he shoots this. I mean, he looks he looks fantastic. Like, he doesn't look like he's not capable or up for it, which is which is and 
great. doesn't quite have the frozen Stallone face of I probably injected things into my face and not age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> he's still kind of aging gracefully. Um, yeah. Have you, have, have you ever seen um, the Iger Sanction? Uh, it's a mid seventies. Um, it's a mid seventies Eastwood movie. Um, okay. I think my, which tells me this is probably not a good a good story. But my dad was super into <laughs> rock climbing when I was a kid, and he I remember my dad read it. And he was super into into it because it was about rock climbing. And it, it's all about, um, uh, I think it's like an assassin who is also a professor, which my dad was a professor. So <laughs> I'll let you draw your own parallels. Um, but it's about um, a, a assassin who um, he's he's been assigned to basically take out a uh, some fellow climbers and he doesn't quite know who his target is. And so they send up four climbers. Uh, it's set in Switzerland. I'm trying to think of the name of the mountain that they, um, they send them up, but a lot of it, I mean, it was 1975. So it's pre having any CGI and you can't really do a lot of camera tricks without it looking really bad. And it's interesting that this holds up pretty well. And then if you watch like the Iger Sanction, you see what it looks like if you're trying to actually sh practically shoot rock climbing and do it in, in the field when somebody's doing it. One, it's super dangerous, like super, super oh, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but two, it just looked kind of kind of bad, like just because you can't, you know, it, it's you're you're putting your actual cameraman in, in harm's way. So I think well, as I was say, like I, there's been some recent stuff where they do that and drone stuff has probably changed all that now yes correct you can yeah and then they did i mean so I, but they do a pretty good job in that but i think here they, they make good use of of mixing the the composite of of stallone climbing with yeah because the actual... they do some they i mean they definitely have stunt climbers like a bunch of them but in particular i think a couple guys did a lot of it but in the opening credits they do this, this crazy thing where this guy's climbing where he's like uh, this isn't going to be good for a podcast, but he goes like up the cliff and then the cliff like juts straight out. So he's climbing where he's like, like just hand over hand, basically yeah. hanging straight down, trying to climb this thing. And they're definitely shooting somebody doing that. Well, that, that was a cool shot because they, they basically awesome. pan, they pan the camera from behind him to it pivots to an overhead shot and then twists around to make it from what will end up being Hal's perspective of Stallone coming up the mountain. I mean, it's real. Like they, they shot somebody yeah. actually doing yeah. it. It's not, it's not fake. Or if they did, it looks great. If they did, yeah, it, I guess that's it the key fake. thing. They shoot enough real stuff where there's things that are kind of like, you might be like, I don't know if that's real. like, Oh, I know that's real. And then there's stuff. that's like, Oh, that might or might not be real. And there's stuff. that's like, well, that's definitely not real. But, because there's enough that you know is real, like you kind of buy into some of the stuff that's in the middle ground. And then when it's like Stallone and Rooker on something, it's like, well, yeah, I get you couldn't put the leads of your movie free, like free climbing on cliffs and things. Like, I, I, I am, I understand. Sure. Uh, but I, so I think that's a good lead into uh, um, Rennie Harlan. Mm hmm. In some of the choices, because uh, in the trivia I saw, he was upset on some on one of the climbs. You could see some support ropes, and the guy went and uh, did it like and free climbed it with no support ropes, no safety ropes. And I was like, ah, yeah, Rennie Harlan, that makes you sound like a big asshole. 
Kinda, yeah. I mean, I have to assume if you're yeah, a stunt, if I'm, you're a stunt guy doing this, you're kind of an action junkie. Um, right. And also, I, I'm basing this off of like a half paragraph on IMDb trivia, so <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, well, don't need to go too far, but I I think you're a little crazy. Like, um, well, look, I'll I'll tie it back to again my dad on this. But my dad um, rock climbed quite a bit in the late seventies. I mean, mostly around Georgia, North Carolina. Um, I think it was. Uh, and he actually had a friend die from it. Um, one time they were they were climbing and Jesus. yeah, uh, the guy wasn't wearing a helmet and wasn't wasn't tied down with a rope, and they were on a pretty steep slope, and the guy slipped, fell backwards, and went head first, you know, a couple hundred feet down into a rock, and he was sliding, couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Um, but I mean, it, it's a it's huh. a really dangerous sport. It's <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll actually, if you want, I'll tell the story of the first time I I ever busted my lip open as a kid was rock climbing uh, with my dad. <laughs> I um I just this is the second podcast I've recorded where someone told a story about a real person dying. Is it? Yeah. What was the first way one? back uh way back in the day when I had the McRib happy hour? I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> um but uh William had a friend die from yes, a soccer right. goal on a soccer goal on him. him. Yeah. Um and yeah, I was like, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> Well, um, yeah, dad, dad, made it, dad made it through Vietnam and uh, then he saw I, I, I can't remember if he was there or if, if he wasn't, but I, I thought he was where um, his buddy basically tripped, fell backwards and went sliding backwards down down a rock face and uh, hit his head and uh, killed him. But so is your dad offended by uh, Michael Rooker character Hal in this movie <laughs> trying to claim a nom injury to impress a girl? If he actually made it through, uh, no, but I guess my dad could be Michael Rooker. I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> um, no, I was, uh, I was like, um, man, I must have been like eight or ten, and uh, there was a, I can't remember where it is. I'll have to find out. Um, it's somewhere in S- South Augusta. There's a pretty big rock face, which is weird because Augusta doesn't really have a lot of. Um, uh, elevation no, change not a, not a mountainous no and, and so my dad would go after work with friends and they would all set up and basically work on climbing the, this facade and it was probably like 75 to 100 feet tall max it, i mean it was tall but it wasn't like crazy tall and at the bottom of it was like this this swamp area which is weird now that I'm saying this, but it's kind of how I remember it. Like there was a body of water that was at the very base of this thing and this little small shoreline that you could walk across to kind of go up and up and down on. And uh, I remember I was climbing out on a tree. I was, it was after school. I was climbing out on a tree and I was playing with my Ninja Turtles action figures. And I fell off the branch, which was over the water. And I fell straight into the water and got soaked. And then my dad's like, would you want to go rock climbing? And I said like, yeah. So I, I'm wearing my tidy whiteies because my pants are drying and like shoes and like a uh, Episcopal day school <laughs> button down pole or uh, pullover or not pullover, excuse me, uh, um, uh, polo shirt. And like that's, and that's all I, I'm like, you know, eight or eight or 10. And uh, I'm client, I climb up like probably 20 or 25 feet. I, I didn't go that high. And then I was going to practice rappelling back off the wall and so my first time back after watching everybody do it i think oh i just have to kick back really hard and <laughs> i kick back too hard and my my legs fall out from underneath me and i go backwards against the wall and slam into the wall face first 
and just busts my lip open. And there's this kid screaming with his bloody face, and he's in his <laughs> underwear. <laughs> and everybody's just like, what the fuck happened to this kid? So that was my that was my introduction to rock climbing when I was a kid. Did uh, did Gabe have to come save you? Um uh, I wish he had because I don't think I would ever do that again if I had known that's how I was gonna go the first time. But but yeah, I remember having to like basically like get dressed again and then like march back out with all the gear and shit, my dad and, and these other people, and then like <laughs> stop at a faucet that was on the way that was like at this this water station try and clean my mouth out because i was blood in my mouth and then go back and get in his car and then get dropped off at home so it was not a it's not a good day and that was my first experience rock <laughs> so so uh i had a chance to rappel down a mountain thing i think it... vesuvius no, it was no. It, <laughs> I it might have been our senior retreat in high school. Yes, um, and I, I don't I don't really do heights, and so I was like, yeah, no, thank you. I'm not gonna do that because that sounds absolutely torturous to me. Wait, what did we do um, for our senior retreat? I think we went up to like I think it might have been in North Carolina. I don't know. That sounds farther than I thought we went, but we got out. We like went, we camped out for a night somewhere, and right by there. There was like a cliff face where you could go like rappel down and then climb back up. Are you so sure it's not like eighth like grade? I don't know. It might have been the might have been ninth grade, the fr- freshman something. Like I think it's ninth. I think it was ninth grade. Okay. Because yeah, isn't that where somebody got offered to get blown in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I actually it wasn't I think, me. <laughs> I think it was me, but I think it was a joke. So I think I was. <laughs> You're standing in the woods by yourself, really disappointed. I'll tell you off my who, who offered. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it was it was it Richard? Shockingly, no, but you're right. It was that trip. I, I remember that now. It was like a team building exercise because yeah. it was our, so that it was our was freshman, freshman year. one. Because there yeah, was yeah, a yeah. similar thing you did, like freshman and senior kind of retreat thing. Um, okay, so it was the yeah, freshman yeah. one. Which, no, that no. was when uh I was I had a, um, I mean, as much as you do, like freshman year of high school, I had a girlfriend at the time. As Megan and I had been dating for like a week or two or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember that now. And Andrew Harmon totally sabotaged it because he told her, basically told her I was like wanted, to, like I was interested in like like really physical, <laughs> and she was like, "Oh my god, I'm like not ready, I'm not ready for that." <laughs> and so she broke things off because she got like freaked out, like I wanted. <laughs> Like, uh, I wanted to like, have sex. <laughs> uh, fast forward six years on New Year's Eve, and you're walking out of her house, leaving yourself a voicemail because yeah. you're so drunk, you don't realize you're talking to your own phone. <laughs> um, yeah, that was good. T- good times, good memory. <laughs> I think that was the night we all listened to Glycerine in in, in your car. And, Jay, and no, it, in Jay's basement on repeat for like three hours. We all passed yeah out drunk. Yeah. And we all played beer pong until we passed out really early in the morning. I forgot. <laughs> that was a good. That was a good New Year's Eve. I think that was the New Year's Eve that you and I both had broken up with our high school girlfriends. Yeah, like, that was like a big one. So right. I was just like, I, I was hammered because I had been dating. <laughs> we both been dating girls for like, like three years or so. And uh, and then yeah. we were like suddenly like single, and it was like, oh, like I have. Nothing oh, to worry about. Nope, not a care Which, in the world. I, I, ironically, if we 
hadn't gotten the shit face drunk, probably could have taken advantage of being single. That's true. And we did not because we exactly. were, <laughs> <Because> we were <laughs> really dumb. Well, hey, let's, we're, we're going to bring it all back together. Because speaking of hooking up, Gabe Walker mm. climbs up to the top of the mountain. He finds Hal and a girl named Sarah who have, we are five minutes into this movie. Um, uh, <laughs> and um, they've apparently been hooking up on top of a mountain. And, uh, Hal is a a fellow. Is he a ranger, like a park they, ranger? They called yeah, they called rangers. I guess is what they called them. So like, uh, yeah. And um, uh, like emergency rescue guide, park ranger, like mysterious mountain climbers. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, these are guys. It's weird. I feel like these are guys who, in two thousand twenty three, are lucky if they're making fifteen dollars an hour doing this job. <laughs> it's like sadly, like this seems like a viable career in nineteen ninety three. Yeah, like, well, if you and look like, at the house that twenty twenty three is like, oh, like budget cuts have reduced you to. Like, yeah, it's it's just uh, the old guy. Or the helicopter. The Rangers are, are the Rangers of the extreme Mountain Dew guys. It could 2023. be. Yeah, they're 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 working for free park passes, and that's all they really want, yeah. like free ski lift tickets. So I, I have some issues with with house choices here, but and please. the sub- and, and the subsequent uh, behavior of house. Please, because uh, Sarah does too. It turns out Sa- after the fact. Sa- yeah, Sarah is at best an amateur climber. Oh uh, yeah, and they are. I I mean, I, I think they say oh, like, they're thousands four, of feet up on this. Yeah, four thousand feet up. Like, <laughs> yeah, at least. Which also, there's zero chance Sarah actually climbed that. <laughs> but well, they they don't show how with any gear. He has they no ropes. That, yeah, I'm they seem like, to have like maybe some harnesses, but. They basically were like, like hammering like cl- like things uh, into the rock cliff. To yeah, they're they're putting pitons in, into the cliff to to. But I yeah, I don't see any rope. I don't see any <laughs> evidence. I have that... some questions. House choice for a a, a a date, a day event, weekend day, whatever his plan was. Like he better plan it. Be have been planning to like fucking propose up there, because. <laughs> You think he was going to do it on the helicopter and then she died? That's why. <laughs> like, and uh, even so, like, I, Sarah, it, Sarah seems to be like, it seems like his, his intense interest in rock climbing. This it is seems not like they've been, I agree. And it seems like they've been dating for three weeks. So this seems like something you would not do with somebody this no, She seems to know game pretty well. I'm going to say, I'm going to say at least six months. She does kiss Gabe, which is weird. Yeah, I just feel like there's a little something there. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Some questions. I um, I think I what they didn't a little, show you a little swinging going on. Yeah, was they didn't show you on the other side. House is shaking the rope, trying to knock her ass off the <laughs> off the harness. <laughs> so, all right. So Hal's like hurt his knee, but my question is still, how is Sarah getting down? <laughs> Even if Hal's fully healthy, is he carrying her? It seems like the only way to get out of this for them was the helicopter. There's no yeah. other options. Like there's zero, there's literally zero other options. But I think they even kind of say like Hal's knee got popped out or something. Or yeah, he talks about like it popped out, which I don't know what that means for a knee. But no, it's not. It's not. An, it's not an arm. He, he's got a knee injury. So yeah. It, so I think the helicopter is going to come get him. And Gabe climbs up. So so in the time though that they've put in an emergency call that we're stuck up here. The helicopter has come, and in the equal amount of time, Gabe <laughs> has made the climb. <laughs> so Gabe, equally fast climber as a helicopter. So 
feel that's it's impressive for the movie. <laughs> yeah. I um yeah, this introduces my favorite weird character in this, uh Frank the helicopter pilot. Frank so much. <laughs> because I, I don't know what it is. And maybe I just didn't watch it right, but the scenes where there's all this drama of uh Sarah so Sarah gets out on this line to go across this this valley between these these two peaks where the helicopter is and where where they were. And it's too windy to pick him up with the harness, which I don't know why it's too windy for the harness to just do a drop. Yeah. But I, I, they can they can rig a they cro- can like climb a, across the <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I, I I'm skeptical. I read some real questions on that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I laughed because there's all this drama between Stallone and Sarah and and uh, or uh, Gabe and and Sarah and 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 Hal, and um, the whole time that Hal is standing there, Frank just is like grinning like an idiot, and so it's like yeah. he is in a different movie. <laughs> Frank, Frank is just, Frank is very excited to be there. He's just like this is great. I'm to, having a great he's just, time. Hey, he's just glad to be included. You know, these guys are always going off having their fun adventures. <laughs> He gets to be part of one today. These, these people are fucking each other in hot tubs, getting yeah. injuries, he's climbing living, mountains. He's living vicariously through them, channeling that into his art. <laughs> he, he is. I think he's just a senile old man, but that's okay. Um, so, uh, but I, I love that. I love Frank. But it's weird if you watch for it. It looks like he's just smiling like an like a crazy person while like Sarah's hanging hanging about to fall to her death. And uh, <laughs> I really I really enjoyed his his maniacal uh look on his face and so, so you know, uh do you want to know something about frank uh please in the ace ventura Pet detective jr tv movie frank yeah. is grandpa ventura <laughs> of course you're not gonna not get him bring for, it all grandpa ventura. <laughs> um it tells you how small hollywood is <laughs> um so long story short gabe gabe slides out there tries to save her um, it's actually, I think this is probably, I don't I, dare I say iconic, uh, but it, it's, it's probably one of the most memorable scenes in this movie. Ooh, and Frank, I remember it was, Frank, a, Frank was also in cool hand Luke to give you an idea of his age. <laughs> that's like 30 years before this, right? Uh, 23. Yeah. Was cool hand Luke no, 27? 26 years. Before. Okay. 66. Uh, then he's in, yeah. Five easy pieces. Nice little career. Nice little career for Frank. I don't recognize him. I'm sorry. Real real name is Ralph Waite. But you can see in the credits because he gets a like and Ralph Waite kind of credit. Okay, so, so he's like, a big deal. So I mean, you know, but and it's been around a while enough to earn uh I earn I, I, I don't I don't recognize him from anything, but hey, I'm glad he's working. Or he was working. <laughs> he's probably dead now, but I, I'm glad he was working. But I wonder if his career is at a point he's just damn excited to be in this uh, Stallone movie. <laughs> uh, probably. I mean, because he's he's in his probably sixties at this point. So yeah, good for him. And they but made mostly... it made it all the way to twenty fourteen when work was working. Damn. All oh, is he alive? Or... No, no, he passed away in twenty fourteen. Oh, he passed away. Okay, was right. working pretty much up to that. Good for him. Up to that time, yeah, yeah. See, so... I see. Oh. Voice of Shadow in Homeward Bound 2. <laughs> oh, God. Worst part is I've seen that. That's the worst part. Uh, I don't know. That's pretty reasonable. That was uh, when we were kids. Like, um, I got in trouble. I think it was in third or fourth grade. Whenever Homeward Bound came out, um, we had to read the book for like summer reading one year. I think I think it was third grade. 
And uh, um, I'd seen the movie like the summer it came out, like right before we went back to school. And uh, I remember my teacher, Mrs. Perry, uh, she was trying to talk about these things that came out, these things that happened in in the, the plot of the book. And I don't know why, but I remember I just kept sitting there and saying, well, that didn't happen in the movie. Well, that didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> and finally, she just says, well, not everything that happened in the book happened in the movie, Andrew. And I just was like, okay, I'm just going to stop talking in class now. <laughs> I went too far. It's like, oh, I guess I'm the shithead in this class now. Got it. <laughs> Fucking well, homeward bound. I think I think this Ralph Waite, I think he was on that TV show, The Waltons. Oh, uh, okay. From a lot of that, I was not even in reruns I that I really remember when we were kids, but it was a big show. I know. Uh, that, so I think that's probably, if you were of a certain age, was like, oh, he was ubiquitous in your life for many years because he is on this big show. Got a hell of a head of hair. Indeed. Credit to him. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> this uh, really uh, memorable opening scene. They're saving Hal and Sarah, and they send them. They had to like shimmy across this line, which I have some questions, and I'm glad it comes up again in the movie with the uh, bad guys. Of this, just nobody has a mechanical like wench thing that like you hit a button and it winds itself like back to like pull you in or something or like pull the helicopter. Or, like, the helicopter probably should have had that, but. Or I like guess, something or like, but I guess the way they're doing it, that wouldn't work for them necessarily because they're like putting it, they get to land the helicopter and then, like, I don't know. It feels like it felt unrealistic. They were making Sarah go like hand over hand across this rope, across this 4,000 foot drop. Like, yeah, that's shitting my pants and like not that, able to move. <laughs> that feels like a pretty big stretch that, that they didn't have somebody out there to help her or. So, so yeah, it just feels like she's like strapped to Stallone and like yeah. going across. Um, but like, so while she's trying to take herself across, um, and I guess in the credits there's something saying like they intentionally they like, broke this thing to make this happen. I'm like like this wouldn't like don't not buy these things because they do work. <laughs> uh, basically, because <laughs> I have some issues with like I've done like a little enough like climbing adjacent things of those harnesses have like multiple fault points where it's not like one little like thing cracks and breaks and like oh you're fucked you're gonna die <laughs> like, yeah the whole thing the whole thing comes apart and you're the whole done. thing just like is, is done like they have normally have, like multiple back they have the, normally each point like has a backup to it is the way they're designed to oh, specifically yeah. present prevent this from happening, but but you know it's a movie, so she's going over the thing, but she starts falling, and Stallone or uh, Gabe Stallone's character is going to go after her. And Rooker says, this, "The line's not rated for two people. You can't do it." And I'm like, "The two of them are maybe three hundred pounds. The yeah, line's she- not rated for three hundred pounds, like." But you're you're Come brave on. enough to string it across a a, a, yeah. a hundred fifty <laughs> like, foot expanse to to, to shoot see, each other what, across. But this is what you're bringing to like save people who like is like a hundred percent the line can handle two people. <laughs> like, 
So, so this is where the movie technically falls apart for you. It's the rating of the lot. Yeah, and I'm done, and I'm out, and I didn't, I didn't watch the rest. Well, you didn't miss anything. Thankfully, nothing no. else happens in this. No, and, I, and like, I guess there's like a big thing with like climbing people of some issues with like, I guess they use like a like baton gun or something in this, and like that's not real and like wouldn't work because it shatter like things shatter when you do it that way, and it's like, yeah, I get it. This isn't like real. Like, yeah, if you come to this and you're worried about the realism of it, I think you're gonna have a bad time. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think have a bad time. You're gonna have a bad time, everybody. Um, I, I, to me, I think they do enough to make the rock climbing. It look, it's believable enough. I think for most people to to, no, to watch it, enjoy it, yeah. and uh, it's um, also like it'd be exhausting to make a movie where you actually made these like real life things fail. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. a shorthand for dramatic tension and exactly. being engaging and interesting. Like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm here. I'm here for a good time. Not a long time. So let's not, uh, so, uh, let's yeah, not yeah. uh worry about the re- reality of a piton so, gun, uh, not working <laughs> for somebody. So uh credit to Rennie Harlan. First, uh, Sarah has a stuffed animal dog. That does not make it across that rope. It falls. And I guess Rennie Harlan added that. It wasn't in the script because he wanted a moment to, sh- to show the audience like the consequences. And so there's like a nice long shot of the stuffed animal dog like, falling and falling and falling. And I think it's a really smart choice. It really like accentuates like because you're it's at a moment you're worried she's gonna fall. You're already there. And then you see this thing fall and it it's like, oh my god, like, it really heightens that tension. Well, I think to your point with how they shoot it, um, I know I'm sure that I'm, I'm sure there's parts where it's all rear projection. I feel like a lot of it visually holds up very well that you never feel oh like my god, yeah, you're, you're out of you're out of the scene. So when they do close up shots of the actors, you don't feel like it's on a set, or you don't feel like they're they're you know, two feet off of a, a blue, a blue fall pad or something like that. Yeah. It, it does feel like it's a very real scenario. And, and and they do a great shot of shooting it both wide to give you some establishing perspective. But then when they do the close-ups, the close-ups still hold up pretty well. So I, I, I was pleasantly surprised, even, even watching this in 2023, that the, the suspense and tension is still there. Even though if you know what's going to happen, it's still, it's still palpable. And it, it the way they shoot it is is very effective and you still don't i feel like today they would do this with all cgi and i feel like they would try and put too much focus on trying to show you everything and you have to use cgi to do that and here they they're careful yeah harlan's good about shooting around you know the so you don't see too much behind the scenes of how it comes together but it it yeah it's a really fine line to walk but in these action climbing sequences they really nail it of you, you feel like, and I like watching it again tonight. I, I, I was trying to watch for those scenes, and you really feel like the actors, like those characters, are there. Yeah. And th- there's moments where it's like, ooh, that might be rare projection, but it's like, oh, but it's a close up on this person's face. So, like, the background's hazy, and like, so it works just fine. And, and there's enough real shots of the things. And it's not like they sometimes that can be, and even like sometimes like a spoof movie will like comedically do it where it's like the, like the real shot and like the comedic, like massively different close up shot where it's obviously not that. But I was trying to figure out how they did it. If 
they had something that was like 20 feet, 10 feet off the ground or like they felt really suspended over like something. It was, yeah, it was, it was impressive. Yeah. I think, um, Stallone sells the physicality of the role too. Like he's in shape and, and he's clearly up for, yeah. for the role. I, yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah. Um, it didn't feel like you're, you're stretching to, to put him in that situation. Um, yeah, it's a role that uses his physicality and like, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he did steroids at some point. Oh, 100%. Realistic <laughs> but he uses that physique where you buy like this guy could have that physique. But sometimes yes. it's like, it's like a, a bit much. You're like, I don't know this guy. Like, Yeah, like like even Rooker's in pretty good shape for this and you feel like, okay, he's, I, man, he's I got that for him. Why? Because he's in great shape. Oh, and but he's Stallone actually Stallone such, the whole time. Stallone's such a fucking freak. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you, you don't even like notice. Like Rooker just looks like a normal, average guy. And then I think watching him close, it's like, oh man, he's like he's pretty jacked. And like, yeah. no, he's in good shape. I think Rook, Rooker Rooker was uh, trying to show off the guns in a couple scenes, but he, yeah, he's, he's, he's overshadowed he's by Stallone. He's got him, yeah. Which is funny because none of the bad guys actually have that much physical intimidation in this. It's all. No, that's why they need these guys. Yeah, yeah, like, like that's why the guys have guns, and 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 the bad guy, the good guys don't have guns because uh, <laughs> if they did, it would just be not fair. No, <laughs> except the one guy that uh, that gave fights in the cave. Oh, Leon, <laughs> who, who kicks his ass. He does kick his ass, which is <laughs> it's weird to see Stallone get his ass beaten this because yeah, it doesn't happen much. No, and it seems like he's actually vulnerable. It's weird. I think Stallone's trying to make well, choices in this as a character. I say it doesn't happen much, but it happens all the time in the Rocky movies. And like kind of, I always forget the Rocky movies with Stallone because that's always like the yeah that Rocky was like three. a Rocky that was like a Rocky scene. Rocky three he loses the shit beaten out of him, and then comes back and wins. <laughs> like he beats Alvin Drago. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, but Rocky three, he loses the Clubber Lang in the first fight, and then like he has to find his his passion for for boxing again. Has to fight Hulk Hogan. He has to fight Thunderlips. <laughs> That's right, Thunderlips. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you, so, you, do you think you can uh, talk for thirty seconds? I think I can talk for thirty seconds. Awesome. And I think um, my point for thirty seconds was that um, right after Sarah falls to her death, uh, there's this completely broken uh, despair look on on Hal's face, and it's clear that they're. <laughs> They're telling you that uh, very quickly that he lays all of the blame on uh, on Stallone's character uh, for for Sarah dying, even though he's the one who put her on top of the mountain. And even though he's the one who could not get her back down without a rescue from a helicopter, this is all in Stallone. So that sets up a really good dynamic for the rest of the movie of there. there's tension between the two lead characters and. Uh, sort of is what the motivator is for for Stallone uh, is he feels like he is responsible for Sarah's death and and uh, that kind of comes back later on in the movie um, and then at this point uh, really the movie fast forwards I think it's eight or nine months to Stallone <laughs> driving back into town and uh, um, he he meets our two favorite characters uh, which are the two Mountain Dew Extreme guys. Uh, which seem like two dipshits that are probably just smoking <laughs> weed in a tent. 
And um, I think this is like the early days of like pre-Red Bull, early days of like the uh, ESPN X games. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's yeah. it's these it's these guys who um, are, I guess they're like uh, uh, base jumpers. And so they run to Gabe and <laughs> they set them up later as they're going up on top of the mountain to do base jumping and, and how cool it's going to be. And um, probably one of my favorite scenes in this is it's two guys who pull, pull parallel on a two lane road next to Stallone. And the whole scene is a dialogue scene across two cars with um, the guy who's driving the other car never looking at the road. He's not even <laughs> trying to act like he's actually driving a real car. He's just staring at Stallone. Even when he's not talking, he's just staring at him. And uh, then these guys pull off and uh, basically takes you into sort of the, the the second act of the movie where Stallone's come back to town. It's clear that after the death of Sarah... Um, he blames himself. He's his relationship with Jesse, who who's the helicopter pilot when uh, Sarah dies, um, has fallen apart, and he's trying to get her. He's trying to win her back, even though he hasn't obviously come to terms with the reality of it. And they do a pretty good job. Jesse sets up that you know it's really not Gabe's fault, um, but he can't let go of it, and that kind of becomes his motivator for um, for. I, I think like he's a little harsh on it. I know. He, so, he he does shoulder a lot for something that that's not maybe his fault. So there, are, what, there you, what you missed are, while, while you were gone, I did point out the fact that all of the reason that that she Sarah dies is pretty much on on Hal. Yeah, and, and, he, and he takes zero accountability for any of it. And everyone like, well, <clears throat> and Gabe seems to blame himself and has to like has to go off and deal with his trauma. And like, everyone seems to be like. <laughs> really seems like they're like well, it's not really your fault but like no one's like yeah I, well i guess no i guess jesse does say like how shouldn't have been up there with her or that but like he's obviously dealing with a lot of stress and trauma and they seem to be pretty pretty hard and i go back and forth it's been eight months which is a long time but also not a long time to literally like have someone die because you couldn't hold on to them and so understandable you need a moment you need to take a little time away from this thing like i feel there should be guidelines in the park services ranger book of as a park services as a park services ranger if someone dies that you were trying to save in this way like conservatively like you take six months off and are in therapy and aren't out there working during that time and it feels like no one has like any expectation that like Gabe would need him like, need need a second here to, to handle this, um, but I, so uh, but so, so I go back with Jesse, but it's also been eight months, and so Gabe is wearing a wedding ring in this. Are he and Jesse married? That's not how it feels like it's set up. It feels it like they're just but they have a house together. Oh, which that goes back to my park ranger salary thing of like that's a crazy nice house. It's this cabin that's on it's like a, a I pointed that out to my wife tonight. We were yeah. watching. I was like, it's like these two people who make twenty five thousand dollars a year <laughs> live in this 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 it's cabin a, in the it's basement also in valley. the middle. Of, it's also in the middle of goddamn nowhere. So I don't know like what the demand is for. I I, I feel like uh, after all the dot com money hits this part of Colorado. <laughs> That's a $3 million house. I'd like to think maybe like Gabe and Hal built it together. Yeah. As like, well, 
And like, they, they, they met here, like he and Jesse met here, like doing this, and like they committed, okay, we're going to get married. So this is just what we'll do. And so we'll like build a nice house here. And, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> which, you know, so uh, Jesse played by Janine Turner, who uh, I don't know, people know, she's on uh, regular on Northern Exposure, was on some Friday Night Lights, Steel Magnolias. Um, I definitely have a bit of a thing for in this movie. <laughs> the short hair works. Uh, he is I, hot. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is about the short hair thing, but she she really pulls that look yeah. off here. Gabe really needs to uh, try to make that work. <laughs> or if Big you, if you got a chance, you really need to let him uh, let him screw this up some more. <laughs> but true. um, it's true. I can go back to 1993. And... Yeah, if you can go back to being 10 years old. Oh, uh, given that. <laughs> Given that she's a helicopter pilot who's into mountain climbers, yeah, you gotta say I'm not a. There's a couple of not, couple not, strikes, couple a strikes bunch of things you. there that aren't in my wheelhouse. <laughs> I might let that yeah. one slide. Yeah, if you don't like the heights okay. thing, you might have some. Problems yeah, with that's gonna thing. be a problem for me. Yeah, this is. This I get my work cut out for me. <laughs> well, um, so it's a good setup that that uh, Gabe's a broken person now because of the accident. Which seems completely reasonable. <laughs> it does. I'm not saying it's not. I just think like no. I think the movie kind of treats him like, "What's your deal, dude?" <laughs> well, yeah, they do. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for you other than yeah. It's no, pretty it's just like this seems like the appropriate reaction to like not being able to save the life of a like a person you like you know well and like your best friends, like girlfriend, maybe like I don't know where like that is. <laughs> Maybe they're swingers. She's being racked by guilt is appropriate. <laughs> they were kissing each other right before she died, so who knows what their their actual dynamic is? Yeah, I, I had a theory in my notes that they were having a little thing in the side, so that's where some of the guilt comes from. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Um, uh, but yeah, I, so that's it's a fun setup for for at least the the characters that there's some tension and. It sets up like the need for redemption, I think, for Gabe's character, which which will pay off later in the movie. But um, this also takes us this eight month fast forward also takes us to our uh, introducing us to, I would say, a at best inept Department of Treasury Secret Service agents <laughs> um, that are led by Paul Winfield, who seems to have no fucking clue what's going on hey, with his own. agents. Hey, hey. You speak respectfully of Captain Terrell. Is this Star Trek too? Oh yeah, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> you, you get to it soon. <laughs> I uh, and uh, well, no, no, I won't, I won't spoil anything. But... Well, he was all, he was also the uh, lieutenant in, in Terminator, and him and Lance Hendrickson. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I like Paul, I like Paul Winfield. In this, it just feels like he's in charge of everything that's gone wrong, and he's just kind of like like whimsical about it, like. <laughs> oh shit the guy i just vouched for is the, my best agent well, actually he first us. seems like well it's impossible <laughs> anything could go wrong and then it's like things have gone wrong and it's like yeah <laughs> all of his all of his scenes are either him walking and talking for exposition or him sitting in a helicopter reacting to things like, he doesn't do anything else in this I, movie. I enjoy him i i enjoy some good paul winfield <laughs> it feels like this is going to be the best payday you could ask for in terms of like professionally because <laughs> all he does is just like show up and it's like Oh yeah, I just gotta sit in this, yeah, this not helicopter it, yeah. set and like that's shit. Have like, it great, I can do that. Much, uh, so yeah. 
like it, it's really good but uh they also introduce um uh special agent travers which is played by the aforementioned uh rex lynn yes uh husband to uh mcintyre who is great who goes back to the speed podcast talking about Jan Debat talking about in these movies action movies with these crazy premises like actors like you need to go big <laughs> Rex Lynn is going for it every line delivery uh yeah I don't think that even saying he's going big is like enough but, of a statement about what he's it, doing here it sells it for me because I think I he's doing it because he's like the character's doing it because he's scared and he's scared yeah. of quailing and I buy it because Lithgow as Quinn gives him looks every now and then. That's like, yeah, man, I'd be fucking terrified if this guy was looking at me like that. No, fair. And I, I think um, <clears throat> you pointed that out to me, which which kind of helped me maybe rebase with uh, with what what he's trying to do here. Because you're right, like he he does he is the reason the whole robbery basically goes sideways. Oh my god! Yeah, okay. And, you haven't and, talked and, at all about the robbery. No, and then, so that's that's kind of where we're getting to. Right? <laughs> so is... We we need to we need to get fifteen minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should, we should. Um, uh, but yeah, the uh, Rex Lynn ends up being a a uh compromised agent. Uh, the FBI had snuck a, and he's transporting, and this is what cracked me up. I don't have the exact total, but it was like one hundred and fifty million dollars in hundred million. It's not enough at all. And it's in thousand dollar bills, which they even say yes. are not exchangeable as currency. It's just but, for treasury. But like, Quaylen is just like evil criminal genius who has like contacts where he'll be able to do something with them. But it, it feels like you got to exchange that through like. Third, you have to fence like, it. Yeah, you're going to fence it. Underworld contacts to another eventually a government has to end up with those yeah it feels like to actually be able to use them and so it's gonna be yeah like 50 percent or something or like oh at least 75 yeah. at best like yeah 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 i i think i think they're losing on this deal which I also think, I, think... I don't understand why like it's a movie like just make it 500 million like who cares that's why i didn't like was the thousand dollar bills thing the more you think about it, the more you're like, eh, it's what really it is. Diehard, like 600 million, 600 million, but it's in bearer bonds, which you can buy that depending right. on what the bond actually says, it could be a hundred million dollar bond. You have to carry six of them to get out of there. Right. So I that's guess. like a but little more show like pretty big cases are like, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is the kind of internet trivia that I, I hate, but I'll, I kept seeing it in like my research of the Denver mint only makes coins. So like a hundred million dollars in coins would weigh like twenty five hundred tons, and that's like, yeah. Who fucking I, cares? Like so yeah, I don't care. Like, like hey, IMDb like, guy, go fuck oh, yourself. Big deal. Like yeah, it's like <laughs> this isn't real. They're not really trying to do this. <laughs> like the movie's called Cliffhanger. They're not going to shoot it in the fucking Ogden, Utah, uh, uh, mint facility. Yeah. Like shut the fuck up I, yeah like, <laughs> like, come on that, that, no one's actually doing this no like that's trying the, to have a movie in the mountains that's the people like i hope that's i hope that was registered by like a like a, a former treasury agent who saw that was like no this is unrealistic because <laughs> we only produce coins but like yeah. shut up like who cares yeah this is a movie let's have like, fun this right movie. so well in this world the denver mint does produce dollars so yeah so like, suck yeah. it imdb <laughs> right it's like it's like hey guess what you're a nitpick like 
half a line of of exposition could destroy that. <laughs> yeah, I know it's just it's bit. just not fun. So no. <laughs> all right, so we get onto this this private jet. Uh, the FBI agent realizes they're being trailed by another jet, um, and they're out in the middle of nowhere uh, in Colorado. And the FBI agent, which is goes kind of crazy. He actually, this guy to me kind of overreacts. He draws down on yeah, Travers. He is, he is on top of shit, though. Yeah, yeah, like, like immediately, like he's like, "All right, you're Credit you're, you're a bad guy." And then Bruce McGill, our guy, Bruce McGill, um, guy who once insulted me to my face, uh, Bruce McGill. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he he's like another special agent who also draws down on the FBI agent. He's he's working for Travers, and he's also obviously a double agent. Well, so it's weird is on this plane. Um, Travers and then like the pilot, both pilots are dirty, and a couple of the other agents are dirty, and so. Um, oh my God, Bruce McGill was D Day in yeah, Animal you didn't, House. You didn't know that? I I guess I did. I just, I guess in like this movie, I'm not connecting the dots there. <laughs> um, no, that's what I, when I met him, I called him D Day. There's a break in his career where like he's not. He becomes like this kind of guy, and like. I forget that his early career. I <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, so, so uh, Travers basically takes the opportunity to shoot both of his agents. I think I'm I'm guessing just to eliminate how many how much money he has to split, and then the pilots are obviously in on it. But then the 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 lead pilot <laughs> shoots the co-pilot. Like you give him this weird look, and then just taps him. And then uh, Travers, I think this is where the movie like it does some pretty cool stuff. And this is again another another sort of iconic moment in the film is the two planes uh, kind of line up in one one in front of the other, uh, slightly different altitudes, and they open the rear hatch and they connect a a line basically between the planes. And this is a real stunt, and I, I think famous stunt, yeah. famous stunt by a guy named I think his name was Stuart Crane was the uh, the stunt man that that did this, and. It's pretty incredible. Or I'm sorry, Simon Crane. Um, and uh, I, I, it's go ahead. They, I, I want to. Do you know what they paid him? It was a million dollars. It was a million. Okay. And yeah. the, the the story, at least on the internet, again, could be IMDb trivia. So maybe I can. Maybe I'm an idiot for saying this, but uh, was that Stallone took a pay cut to help pay for the stunt, and so some of Stallone's paycheck went into to doing the stunt. And this is the one they had to shoot in the U.S. because they it was illegal to shoot this in Europe. Yeah. And I guess he didn't really make it into the second plane, but he got close enough where they could edit it where it looked that way. Oh, really? I didn't. Okay, I didn't realize that. This movie sucks. Uh, Never mind. This is so yeah. No, but it's impressive as hell. What's it really is. impressive to me? He's hooked. <laughs> this is like a, a weird, a weird thing to be impressed by, but <laughs> given what this stunt is, but he's hooked into this harness. It's like around his chest, and he. And like his legs are like straight up. Like if that was me, I don't think I'd have the core body strength to like have my legs up flying through the air at like hundreds of miles an hour. Like I feel my legs would just be dangling and whipping around. I think <laughs> and this guy is like tightly going down this wire and like do two planes and like man, like it looks it looks awesome. <laughs> I think I'm guessing the the wind resistance you'd have on your legs is actually worse than if you just kept your body level. Meaning, like it's easier for you to actually keep your legs straight than it is to try and. Um, well, I just I just mean like that the strength it takes to keep your legs. 
You think that uh, Mr. I don't, Mr. I don't think I think I think Travers could do it. <laughs> Tra- Travers, there's no fucking way Travers is doing it. Travers is too doughy. Bit of a bit of a belly on. It's like a walrus in the wind. It's not going to go well for for Travers. But it is it is a fun stunt that um he the guy the stunt, the stunt guy is supposed to be Travers, <clears throat> and the sort of the big reveal for that is he's supposed to send these three big cases of money across first to the other plane. And then instead, <laughs> he already thinks he's going to get double crossed by Eric Quaylen, who's our our lead bad guy played by by the incredible John Lithgow. And so he goes first, and then he's supposed to have the pilot um, follow on, send the cases. Then he goes in after the cases, and then there's a uh, a, a bunch of C four that he's got planted on on the plane to basically detonate it to try and cover up his evidence of of the crime, but. Of course, uh, Travers goes across. They give him shit for not sending the money first. And then um, as the pilot's getting to the back of the plane, he steps on the hand of the FBI agent they think is dead. The guy wakes up and then just dumps an Uzi into the pilot. (laughs) And it knocks all of the money bags off. Then the plane blows up. And then the the harness snaps free and it's just the money's dangling beneath uh, Quaylen's plane. And then um, uh, the... Harness lets go and, of course, scatters this this money all over the the na- whatever national park Gabe and, and Hal work in, and uh, uh, the pilot Crystal, who I guess is Quaylen's girlfriend, who's flying the plane, um, they crash, and uh, uh, the co-pilot's killed. So now it only leaves Crystal and Quaylen as the two pilots, and. Uh, they make a fake radio message to pretend that they're hikers that got lost and are are in trouble up on the top of this mountain and of course who responds but crazy ass frank and uh the gorgeous janine taylor or, or turner and um uh michael rooker who seems like his life could not be better even though his girlfriend plummeted to her death eight months earlier <laughs> so yeah they don't do a good job of showing where he's at he's just like laughing at this like, shitty painting he's like ah, he's frank, angry like when he's He's still alone. He's angry, but like before that, yeah, there's no indication of where he's at. No, uh, so full denial. Right. Full denial. All right. All right. I, I get, I, I get a few things. One, Bruce McGill, fantastic as Captain Braxton in Star Time Trek Cop. Voyager. Damn it! Also fantastic in Time Cops. <laughs> I guess split, that's why I forget he does about splits him in that too, because he's just in like a ton of stuff. Um, in like the nineties, where last he's Boy been Scout, yeah, uh, even he's in like the Insider, like yeah, like just <laughs> he's is he? he's in Black Sheep. <laughs> he is. He plays like a campaign manager for. Yeah, but, uh... but he's in so many things that were like iconic to me as like a kid or teenager that like I forget about like the previous stuff for him. But uh, but so but the so the pilot shooting the co-pilot. The pilot gives a look to the co-pilot <laughs> that has so much casual contempt in it that I said in my notes, he was like, I think he's only in this plan to do this. Like, he hates this guy so much. Like, he has been thinking all day how good this is going to feel to shoot this fucker. <laughs> and it's just like such a... <laughs> I mean, you think, you think the crime and the money that will get from the crime there is... There is a backstory there. I want that short movie. Maybe he farts too much in the cockpit, the cockpit, and that's why he wanted to to take him out. 
I mean, he looks at him like this guy, like you motherfucker, fucked my wife, and like, like, like it's like that kind of look of like, <laughs> I know what you did, and this is what you get for it. Well, I mean, yeah. he he gives it to him. He fucking shoots him in the back of the head when his yeah. head's turned. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's brutal. And the, one other thing I had was the uh, Travers, and you touched on it a little bit. But Travers setting the bomb for five minutes. Yeah, is, is it causes all of this. He says Traver, like, Travers is an idiot. That's what this whole movie it for tells ten me. minutes. I know, like the FBI guy, like shoots the shoots him and stuff. Like I don't know. He sets it for ten minutes. I think everything goes just fine. Yeah, the only thing is, like, I, well, I guess they bring the money across and they 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 detach well, it. And, and I guess all the they... one FBI guy shooting up the play, which I had some issues with. This guy's got you're a little better with guns than me. He's got some kind of like machine gun. Type it's a micro Uzi, okay. Which which would have a range of like twenty five feet. <laughs> like, and he's, there's no yeah, way he's firing across this like things like it's two from two planes like moving. It's like I the one where he like hits. Like hydraulic fluid, and that causes a problem. Yeah. Like, okay, I could buy that. Where he like, there's a guy who like pulled like a sniper rifle to try to shoot him, and he like hits that guy. He's like, no, he's not. He's not hitting that guy. But that does lead to the awesome line of where the one one I don't know terrorist guy is like, he's not doing well. He's in big trouble. And Quail is like, well, we well, what should we do? Hospital. We have to get him to a hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and then just shows him out the plane, which is is so great of a um that's evil, like that's like commando bad guy level moment. Bad like, guy. It, the, yeah. Then that so that's reminds me of like Passenger Fifty Seven, where he shoots his like own guy. Yeah, it's like, well, this is ridiculous. Why would anyone follow him? But this is done in a way where it's like, oh, like it's like ruthlessly efficient. Where like it doesn't like like yeah everyone else is still like well okay like yeah as long as we don't get shot we're gonna be all right <laughs> like well, we're on board and it, I'm looking at um I'm looking at it's a micro or it's a mini it's called a mini Uzi which is a it's a slimmed down version of a normal Uzi and he's shooting it one handed at what I would say is at least a football field away and is accurate to the point that he both kills somebody and disables an airplane. Yeah, and he's mortally wounded when he's doing it. So it's yeah, like, uh... That's a very good point. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys! I don't, I don't know about this. It's a good, it's a fun way to set up the 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 whole the whole. It's plane also crash. like the yeah, and I guess like well, yeah, yeah. No. So what do you how, what did you think of the plane crash? Um, it it's definitely from a time period where. They did not want to spend a lot of money to show the plane crash. And there's like a, I remember there's one weird cut where it's like the plane's cruising low and it looks real. And it's a real shot of a plane cruising low. Then all of a sudden they're just down and it's like the accidents happened and they're just flying straight towards this cliff. And it's like, okay, that's a set or it's a miniature that they're using as a, in place of a, the real yeah, thing. I agree. I agree. It, it's clearly a miniature type, which is fine. But it's also like a, other things look so good. It's like they decided to save a little money. And not, yeah, or just like it's going to cost so much money to make this look good, like it'll be what it is. Well, and you called it out. There's only one really bad um, part about it where the the plane nose shoots over the edge of the cliff when, like, when they show it's coming to a stop, 
But then when you like cut back to everybody getting off the plane, it's like way back from the cliff. It's like clearly, yeah, just clearly there's some continuity issues. Up, like, yeah. Like, okay, on the set, we just didn't do it this way. So whatever, we're just going to. Which feels we're... like a um, B unit shooting some special effects stuff. Yeah. And then A unit shooting on a set for, oh, this is the plane crash set. We don't have a cliff right next to it. But B unit had the miniature go up to a cliff, and it's like, well, is what it is. <laughs> we, we're doing like, enough. We're doing enough here. It's like that's, that's why we hired uh, John Lithgow to to be the villain. Or like we're not having we're having good actors do this stuff to to buy us a little credibility when we can't quite pull off the effects budget wise. Or so you well, know. Um, Christopher Walken was who they originally cast, and he backed out at the last minute. I did not. They, I, I would like to see that, though. I would um, like to that see. That would be interesting. Although, aside from Coylan's insane accent that I don't know where it's from, I, I don't know if I would change anything. I mean, this guy's great in it. I, I agree. I think you would have caught Walken. It's an interesting time for Walken, yeah. Yeah, because he had just done Kings of New York. It's the year before he does Pulp Fiction, which is which is in Pulp Fiction is where it feels like, and it sounds weird to say this, but like where he feels old to me because that shot of the, mm-hmm. the watch up your, my ass scene. Yeah. Like he's playing this old Vietnam vet that's been POW that's been freed. And um, do you think that, <laughs> do you think that guy served with Hal? <laughs> in the hot tub? Yeah. <laughs> the Da Nang hot tubs. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh yeah, it, it, I I would have I would I I would be curious to see Walken's uh, take on it. I don't know if it's necessarily better than what uh, Lithgow is yes. bringing. To but the world, I agree, though. it'd be really fun to see. But but I think Lith, Lith, that's why let's talk about Lithgow. Lithgow. Um, so you and I were you and I were t- texting about this or writing each other about it, and it made me laugh because I think we both have this very um gentle fatherly take on like what <laughs> Lithgow is from his career well, how he was like a working actor in our childhood so we saw yeah. him in things where he was like the gentle fatherly chum yeah and then all of a sudden you get exposed to all these r-rated villains he did at the same time well so i i knew him as a kid as the dad from harry and the hendersons where he's this guy who's a he works for a hunting yeah. shop and taxidermy <laughs> shop that he he learns to love animals at the end of it through <laughs> through through uh Kevin Peter Hall playing Bigfoot. And uh that's how I always thought about Lithgow. And then I think you said it too, like not long after he does Cliffhanger, uh he's on a couple of seasons of Third Rock from the Sun where he plays this kind of kooky alien that's you know goofy but fun. And then as I got older, I saw things like Raising Cane or uh, Blowout. And Blowout, he plays this sex killer um, right. <laughs> slash political assassin. He just and, does uh, such crazy evil characters in some things. That to, and Dexter, season yeah. three or four of Dexter, he plays the Trinity killer. Which yeah. is, which is <laughs> he's great. It's just, yeah, it's just wild how his range is like, I spent 20 years of my life having an understanding of him being in one sort of side of that range. And then I spent the next 20 years of like, no, he's actually pretty good at the other side of this range too. And, yeah. And, and that's like, like the whole other world. All right. 
and like Shrek. Oh uh, yeah, Shrek. Marquard, who's Shrek. the bad guy, but it's still like the Shrek bad guy. Yeah, or like he's in like Orange County as the dad. Yeah, <laughs> I like, forgot oh. about that. Like I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Where he's like this successful sort of shithead yeah. guy, right. but, but he also still, redeems like, himself. The dad, who's like not like a bad dad, like trying to give good advice and like yeah. God, I forgot all about. I love Orange County. I don't know why, but um, I'm pretty pumped yeah. actually. I, uh, I think I need to rewatch this. It's been a while. Um, to, to not to toot my own horn, up. but uh, Tenacious D is playing in uh, St. Augustine, not far from me, in about a month. And I, without asking my wife or anybody else, I just immediately bought tickets because nice. I think my mm. sophomore year of college, that was like the album in that, that fall <laughs> of 2002 that I just listened to nonstop. And uh, um, uh, damn if I don't love me some Jack Black in, in uh, Orange County because he he's the whole scene with him and Ben Stiller when he like he accidentally like to like the building on fire and then he tries to lie his way out of it and then when he's he's trying to convince uh, Colin Hanks like like how he's got his shit together. <laughs> like, no, like, Jack Black makes that movie. He, he really like, does. He, he really is like the heart and soul. My favorite is when he's like talking about it, like I got so many ideas, man. Like, like a fucking hat. Fucking hat. Yeah, goes, <laughs> I think every time I see Jay, I see Jay like once every two years in person. Like I always, I always say that to him because it just, that fucking line cracks me up so much. I did get to meet Jeff Black once when I lived in LA. Really? He was a nice guy. Yeah. Was was wearing a backpack. Yeah. Uh, I am. When it's when I worked at the Apple store, um, and I he had brought something in to get repaired, and it was gonna be like a tiny bit of a wait, and so they let him kind of let him wait in the back room rather than wait out front. Yeah, makes sense. Of just like yeah, so we get bothered. It. Like yeah, yeah, like no, and it's like okay, no one bothered Jack Black, and like yeah. that's the whole point of this. Um, but he was, he was like really cool, chill, and nice, but you'd kind of expect Jeff Black to be, and as you'd expect someone to act at a store that's fixing your stuff as well. But like, yeah, no, he seemed nice. Um, very short. <laughs> he, um, so back when they were like still doing like their initial tours for, for the guy, I can't think of what the name of the album was. Was the name of the album Fucker Gently? Was that the name of the album? No, I think this is a song. Um, I think that was the song. Like, that that was like one of the the, it's the like masterpieces or something. Or like, I, mean, I picture the album in my head. Yeah, it's it's him and in, in KG um, wearing like, um, it's like a black and white uh, CD cover is what I remember it being. But long story short, so they played I think at um, can't remember what venue it was in Atlanta, but. Um, when I was still living in Atlanta, they they played it. They played. It wasn't Chastain Park, but it was something like that. And uh, um, a guy who's in my fraternity was working the event, and he was trying to get like Jack Black's attention. And Jack Black was talking to fans after it was after the show. And um, I guess my my fraternity brother looked looked disappointed. And Jack Black saw him and he went over to him, and he's like, like he gave him like a crazy handshake. He goes, Hey, you know what that means? And the guy's like, What? He goes, That means we're best friends forever now. <laughs> and like he's like, and he just like left. And it was like, it was just sounded like Jack Black's a really, really good, genuinely yeah, nice guy like, and, and, yeah. and cool dude. Everything like, I've seen it, like, yeah, he's pretty cool. I follow him on Instagram. His shit's hilarious. I'm uh 
I'm pretty excited because I think were you and I talking about it for the Judge Dredd? Like, so he <laughs> plays Bowser on in the new in the Mario Brothers Mario, movie. Yeah, which I'm going to see tomorrow. <laughs> I'm gonna go see it on Friday with I'm taking the boys to go see it on Friday. <laughs> the only person I could fucking care less about in that is Chris Pratt. Like everybody else, I'm like, <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see this. Like Charlie know, Day, Charlie Day's Luigi. I'm pretty excited. That's about that. what's so funny about Hollywood. Of I, I feel like when someone's a star. They can be like a year behind of like I feel people don't care about Chris Pratt anymore. They don't, but it's no. also like I get though why you would cast him as that because it feels like he's big. Because I mean, like Guardians of the Galaxy three is about to come out. Like it's yeah. like, but like I, last I, summer Jurassic World Dominion came out. Like he's like still a big star, but it's like oh, I think he's kind of like people are kind of past. He's got he's gotten to a saturation point. It's yeah, yeah. Um but the, that first Tenacious D album was just uh, Tenacious D. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. But I like so I, yeah, anyway. So I, I've got like with mind bullets. <laughs> cock push ups. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I love that album. I could probably sing oh, every song yeah, on I've, there. I've not heard that album in a while. I, I, I haven't either, but um, I think tomorrow I'm gonna be listening to that. You, you should listen to it. Also, full disclosure, yeah. much like in uh, like a Bluth, I'm a 39 year old you know adult too. Uh, today, uh, spring break started for me. <laughs> Wait, oh, because so, it's a it's it's a, it's Masters Week in Augusta. So just just to prepare you, I'm ready to go all night talking about this stuff. <laughs> well, I had a really long March, and so um, I have enough. I think well. I, I've got some bandwidth at work where if I needed to, I could I could be a little <laughs> late tomorrow and it's okay. So I, I'm good to stay up as much as I can to um okay. to talk about this. I'm also old and I say that and in like 30 minutes they're gonna be like yawning and be like, oh my god. I'm what I'm die. what I'm worried is you're recording this in your in your bedroom and your wife is not clearly not in the background. So I'm like, I don't know where she's gonna sleep. So I'm more worried oh. about the the state of your marriage if, if this keeps going. No, away. no, I, I not to get too much inside information to my life for a minute, but uh, so my stepdaughter, um, <clears throat> she can have some, still have some issues with getting scared at night, and that. So a lot of times she'll come get my wife, and she'll be like, "Okay, I'll come get in bed with you." Yeah. And and so um, a lot of times we're doing the podcast, and I'm just not going to get in bed till like eleven o'clock. She just goes to bed, in <laughs> <laughs> and because she's like, I know, I know she's going to come get me, and it's okay. She's, that, she's been she's been a good mom. That's what she's doing. Yeah, right, exactly. But it's also, I think she's like, if I go to bed here, you're going to come in and wake me up, and then yeah. later on in the night, like my daughter's going to come in and wake me up, and then. Who knows what the dog's gonna do? Because the dog wants her attention um, during the night sometimes. So I think it's just a choice of like I want to sleep through the night. And so what you're saying is your wife's just smart, and that's she's figured out the the math on yeah. how to make all this I, it's just, together. Yeah, it's just like I need like I need to sleep through the night. So this is my choice. So, hey, I um, can't blame her. It's also a lot of times too, um, like tonight, like. Um, my stepkids go back to their dad tomorrow. Um, so it's last night for a little bit with them and that. So sometimes too, I know she's a little down and sad about that. So maybe 
um so like oh okay like i'll good time with them yeah yeah i get a little extra time um and do stuff so like, yeah that's tough when yeah when they're when they're leaving um no that makes sense well i'm glad i don't i i, I don't want to like ruin <laughs> your marriage so, yeah, like, so, no. talking about cliffhanger <laughs> we're not holding we're not holding her excellent um well all right. I, I talked to her tonight and i almost always record in my daughter's bedroom just because of that because um, i normally record most times and on weeks where it lines up or my kids aren't here um and so that that room is just open yeah. uh, but <laughs> Uh, but tonight I, I was like, I was like, well, I know this is what you almost always do. Like, I might just record in our room. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I can't blame you. Um, I, uh, well, I am totally off course here. Um, all right, so the plane crashes, and um, yeah, so we're <laughs> I, I do enjoy the 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 back and forth with um, Quaylen and, um. Travers in this, he's like, <laughs> "Don't use my name, God damn it!" <laughs> oh, Quaylen gives him a look. He just yeah. turns around, and Travers is like, "Well, I, I yeah, like I, I this, this guy might kill me in like three hours from now because of that one." He's not I, forgetting that. Well, I like the line where he was like, "Like get off my back, damn it!" And then Quaylen turns around, and looks at him, and just says, "I haven't got on your back." Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of got like a Hannibal Lecter accent yeah, thing so going. But where do you like, where do you think Quaylen's from? Um, uh, Queens, New York. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Um, he's definitely it's definitely like a badly affected. I'm trying to open a beer with my my wedding band, and that's not going well. Um, Ooh, yeah, don't. Yeah, um, take, take take the time to get a real opener. <laughs> I think um I think Quaylen's probably from I think he's supposed to be British. Like he's supposed to be some sort of uh, well, he's a little bit got that like um like Cary Grant, like European but like uh, that uh, Connecticut upscale, like twenties, thirties, like I I really I went to elocution school kind of talking. <laughs> But some of that just feels like that's just how, um, kind of how uh, uh, Lithgow is. Like he feels like he's just a sort of regal, kind of Shakespearean American actor. And I think um, it, it, I don't know. I, I don't think you need the accent for him to be as effective in this. I like it, but it's a, it's a, it is a little bit of a weird choice for the movie. Part of me likes to think it's a choice that like Quaylen himself is making. <laughs> You mean like Quaylen's um, affecting an accent for the entire, yeah. <laughs> the entire uh, like, plot? In the, in the, he's just like that unhinged of like, oh, I want to sound like an evil genius, so this is how I'm going to talk. Well, that's the one thing I wish they did a better job. Is Quaylen's not a bad a bad villain in this? I wish they gave you more backstory oh, as to like why he's such a bad. bad they get, guy. I mean, they give you all of that little bit with uh, the treasury of he can do everything. He's a super villain kind of thing. And then you get him here and it's like, yeah, so he's good. He's really undefined, which yeah. in some ways is good because it adds a threat of menace, but in some ways is bad because it's, yeah, it's, you kind of don't have. You need, you need more, you need more, you need more backstory on Quaylen. What's going on You're not really guy? engaged with him at all. And you're really relying on it being John Lithgow, like an actor that you know. 
to kind of well, have any identity. Lithgow, I think if you had a, sh- a, a, a worse actor as the lead uh, villain, so I say do you, think you had, a um, movie. what's his name from like Passenger 57? Bad. This sucks. This movie sucks. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't hold up. So like, yeah, it's it's, it's not it's not that guy's fault, but I I think Lithgow makes a lot out of not a lot on the page. Which and, I, uh, I feel Lithgow is a guy I hear a lot of times and things. We're talking about like uh Christopher Walken was gonna do it and then backed out at the last minute and they got Lithgow. I feel Lithgow's got a lot of those moments in his career where it's just like, well, let's just yeah, we'll get John Lithgow in. <laughs> like we know he can do it. Uh, and there's certain actors who are that level of like, and like I kind of appreciate that about them. It's like, yeah, I'll step in and like crush this role. That's what you need. Yeah. I uh, I think he, I think we're the movie's lucky it has it has Lithgow in it because I, I I think it, that it doesn't work at all if you don't. It, have, we'll yeah. we'll talk about it later, but like the rankings on on how we thought things were, or, or how, how how the movies were. I think when I look back at, um the movies I actually ranked lower in the, in the overall scale, I do feel like um, the movies that had a, 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 a less defined or maybe less well-played villain really don't hold up well for me. And I think it's good that we have Lithgow. Lithgow is kind of a little hammy in this, but it, but it, it but it works. And, uh, and you know, for, for Walken, I think Walken could have done it, but I, I do think if you had somebody less than maybe that caliber of an actor, um, you're, yeah, you need the movie that. the movie's going to pay for it, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. I, I need a bathroom break. <laughs> well, then we shall pause it okay. right yeah, now. It says- we are back in Cliffhanger. So I forgot what you're talking about. <laughs> no idea. Take, take a break. break. However, so it's, I think that's perfect. So I think we should probably get on with the movie. Uh, we should because we've been talking so, a lot about Eric Quaylen and how much we like we talk, John Lithgow. Can we talk about Trevor's uh, tracking device? Yes, you mean the the MacGuffin that makes no sense. <laughs> Despite the fact we're like almost two hours into this, at least that, that's like one of the three things I wanted to talk about. <laughs> and after that, I could take it or leave it. Um, <laughs> Do you think that uh, Trevor's tracker was was developed by Google? Uh, yeah, the things I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about for a long time. This tracking device does like topography on an area of that it, it's not it, it, that it should not be familiar with. That it yeah, should not, yeah. I, I don't understand at all how this works. Um, <laughs> like, I don't think Travers does either. To be honest with you, <laughs> I think like, I think it's just happen ha- happy luck that uh, Travers. I would I would have doubts if. Someone could like in a movie today. Someone had this. I um. I think. I think you and I were doing the math. It's like twenty years ahead of when, um, technically Google, uh, Google Earth would have actually even had this this level of data. You're telling yeah. me that it's it's all pre-programmed into a portable system that Travers has, <laughs> uh, and, and that he happens to thankfully carry with him when he um. When he commits this robbery, it does me wrong. It's pretty big, so I buy that part of it. It is. It is. It is, it is like nineteen ninety three. Cumbersome self, in the way. Cell phone like, yeah, big. Okay. Yeah, it's cumbersome. So at least they have that. And they can't look into it like a periscope. <laughs> but it works. How this thing in map mountains can identify 
this thing isn't just like 50 yards that way. It's 50 yards that way and like 200 yards up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I do enjoy. There's a scene where um... it also provides you a map of like, oh, it's up. Like, here's the ground. Here's the mountain. It's on top of this mountain. (laughs) (laughs) And it's exact. It's also um, doesn't matter. uh, Gabe and Hal can both identify it. No problem. They know exactly. Yeah. yeah, Gabe and Hal can look at it and be like, oh, that's going to be like Widow's Peak over there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that does set up. I I will say that does set up one scene where they're they're trying to find stuff and then they uh, find the money. And there's one scene where I, I feel like I can see all of the gaps in this movie. And it's small and it's weird and it's, it's really obscure. And I've, it's probably because oh, I've excited. seen this nineteen times. But they're standing on this ledge and they're 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 using the the MacGuffin, you know, money finder device. <laughs> and uh, um, they're like, and, and then Quaylen has a line where he goes, "All right, doggy, go fetch, <laughs> fetch." And then, then Tra- Travers just gets. <laughs> I, I would love to be on the set to watch this actor who's a B actor get in Stallone's face and just go Fetch! and just get real he's probably him. he's probably spitting on Stallone when he screams it and I'm like this guy probably went back to a porta potty to hang out for the rest of the day Stallone went back to like a three million dollar trailer to hang out for the rest of the day yeah. and um, it makes me laugh because. So there's this dog reference from Quaylen, and then uh, what's his name? Travers immediately picks up on it and says, "Go fetch!" And he screams that. At, at, and then there's like two more henchmen that all say, give some sort of dog um, <laughs> analogy or proxy for for like what they're telling him to go do. And it's like, okay. This is clearly written by one person on this day, and they 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 were running out of creativity for lines, and they, everybody gets kind of the same line, and you can feel that the movie and and all the actors or all the characters are written in one one writer's mindset, and, and like that whole scene was written in a day, and that guy well, was tapped out, well, especially because that scene is all right on the cliff ledge. They're trying to send Gabe up this cliff to go fetch those. It's like a really tight closing air. It's like such limited time and space, and like they're trying to do close ups, and it feels like it almost feels like they're doing takes they're not planning on using. They're just, and then they ended up using them. Like it was just like, oh, we need like a take, a close up of like each guy. It's just like, everyone just do the same line. We need, in case we need like a reaction shot. But we want you to say something too, <laughs> and they all so they set them all this be like, all right, I'll just say go fetch, <laughs> and like they all did it with varying degrees of, of levels. It's like, all right, Travers, you be at a million. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, hey Rex, all right, we're gonna work out a deal for you. All right, we're gonna pay you a dollar for every level of escalation you can bring to this role. <laughs> <when you laughs> <film> <laughs> Great, I'm gonna bring it to a million every fucking day. Yeah, <laughs> and he does. But I, I do buy it for his character though. He realizes he's panicking and is in over his head. So he definitely does at the end. Um, no, he, he, just, like, he, he, he like, does. He he does kind of fail and like like like. So it feels like 
as much once like the plane goes off the rails, he's like really scared, like, oh shit, I really fucked up. And it's like really intense on getting the plan back on the rails. It's like I buy it for his character. I think it works. Like this guy would be this freaked out about the situation. It does, but but it, it, but, it, it, it's just super fun. This guy yeah. is huge. It's like um <laughs> they they do tell him just go to a million, like you said, yeah. every take, no matter what's what's going on in the movie. Which it's gonna be fun for an actor. <laughs> Kinda because it's like I mean you just gotta think, think like there's like keep dialing it up, baby. Just go. Like, hey, what does this mean? Well, it means you get to yell at one of the biggest actors in the world. Yeah. And get in his face and basically call him a piece of shit without any consequences. It's like, it's like whatever okay. anybody else does in this scene, you need to go bigger. <laughs> yes. And guess what? He does. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, that that seems like a dream to have to do. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind getting in Sloan's face and just saying crazy shit. Yeah. Um, but he it, it is fun when he goes crazy towards the end where he actually loses it and... Uh, he gets on the radio, and I guess it's like the FBI is closing in on him, or or or, or the Treasury <laughs> yeah. Department's closing in. And he's like, "It's me, it's me, it's Agent, it's Agent Travers, and I'm talking to Eric Quilen, the terrorist." Yeah. And they do a little bit of like he may be trying to sell like an insanity play. Yeah, well, it it, it worked for me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, as like I get like like these agents. Like, <laughs> Haven't seen either of the movies, but we have, and like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know in the planning of this if you were insane, but you certainly have gone that way now, <laughs> buddy. You're selling it. Good job. <laughs> uh, so I like that. What uh, what are the odds in real life that Gabe gets frostbite and dies <laughs> during oh, this movie? Nine hundred and seventy-five percent. Maybe? They take his jacket as a motivator to try to make him go faster. Um, no, he's he's dead. He is absolutely dead. <laughs> and then he spends what looks like hours in this blizzard in short sleeves. No, he he he's he's a goner. Hundred percent, he's a goner. I um, I mean, it's good because it's a way for them to to show off Stallone's physique. Hey, we can always do that. Yeah, which hey, that's always a moneymaker, guys. I mean, if you're gonna have Stallone, you might as well like. I mean, if you're not gonna show up the physique, you might as well cast me, like, because <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just because I'm, sure I'm just as good an actor. I'm not sure Especially that's ninety three. That's well, all right, maybe ninety three. Ten year old, ten year old me carrying this movie. I think. I think it. It does build some tension and it does build some stakes when when they cut him loose that they seem to resolve themselves that after the avalanche that that they cause trying to shoot him down or shoot at him <laughs> that um okay it's it's plausible he's probably dead and they can move on and, and they're not worried about it but but he has this burning platform of having to having to get himself to a place where he can get shelter. I mean, so it, it works for me, and it's again one of those things where I'm I'm fine to suspend, you know, suspension of disbelief. And it helps because he burns up a bunch of the money for a fire. Yeah, and so it helps with that too. Of like, yeah, that's the more important, and that that kind of helps. Like, I don't know, set him apart. Like, oh, like it, he doesn't care. Like, oh, he doesn't care about money, but like in a way that's not 
it's second it's secondary to him actually accomplishing the mission like it's like yeah he would really have to do this like he needs fuel for a fire because he will die otherwise but it's also like yeah he's not worried about that either. it doesn't bother him to do this the way they bother these bad guys who are just in things for money we did talk about uh stallone and comedies and i do think that there's a line in here where uh, it's, I it, yeah, it hundred percent feels like Stallone threading in like, "Hey, it's gonna be funny. We're gonna put this in. All right, I'm ready. People, people gonna love it." And it's uh, it's it opens with a shot of him burning money, and of course he just says, "Hey, and, uh, it costs a fortune to eat this place." And I feel like in his head, he's fucking crushing it. But I really want to see this in the script. Yeah, and if it, if it's not a thousand percent, that's still a, like, we gotta we're keeping that in the movie. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, all right, all right, all right. It's good enough. We'll keep it in. But like, yeah. but, it, but it, it's it, that's not too far from like uh, John McClane Die Hard. Like now I know it, what a TV dinner feels like. It's just, but yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's Stallone. You're right. It's it's Stallone taking a stab at, at that joke. But at a time where I don't think he can la- he can stick the landing on the joke itself, like he's not he's not that funny. But yeah, well, you can't. There's a consequence to getting as physically the physicality he has in his body. Yes, and the consequence is you can't land humor very well. That like you just don't. It just doesn't work. You're not. It's just, I don't know, it's just how humor is for whatever reason. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, like, eh, okay. Um, but you see Bruce Willis delivering that line. And it working. And it working, yeah. Yeah. And not because Willis is a better actor, it's just uh, there's some I, the, I don't the know. nature of these like big action stars, there are some things they can do and some things that don't come across well from them. No, I, 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 yeah, I don't think humor's ever been Stallone's forte. I think, um, thankfully, they don't, they don't try and, and do too much of it here. But, uh, um, his jokes just, are, they land like dad jokes today. I guess that's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, and I guess all these like one-liners are kind of dad jokes in their they way. Are. So, like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Um, well, um, so that brings us to uh, a couple of the encounters with with the, the henchmen. Um, I think my personal favorite is uh, they the first the first box of money is thrown over the cliff. We, we talked about during the the avalanche, and then the next one, uh, Stallone gets to it, even though it's dark. And in the middle of nowhere, he, he he manages to find the box of money without any kind of uh, tracker device, no MacGuffin tracker device like Travers has. And he builds a snowman and then steals all the money. Somehow he just carries, I guess, carries all the money away and um, uh, builds a snowman to piss off everybody. And then he kills uh, Mac from Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia's dad in a <laughs> a uh, a downhill snow snow luge event. Where he 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 used he basically rides Mac's dad off of a cliff into the middle of nowhere, and and burns his face, which it looks pretty awful when he uh, when he does that. But um, it's it, yeah. it's this is kind of the beginning of of Gabe dispatching a lot of the the henchmen to just get it down to Quaylen. So which is 
it's it's wild but fun i will say so my favorite is definitely the the cave with uh Uh, uh, it's Kinnett. Well, the, guy, the guy's the name, character's name. The guy's name is the Leon. Actor is, the actor is Leon. But I can't remember what his character's I feel like Leon was Kinnett. like... Kinnett. But also yeah. Leon is uh, has is one of the main guys in uh, Cool Runnings. Which he's also same, in. Same year, I believe. Um, um, but so Kinnett, so he's going after him. This guy's kind of told him like, all right, like try to get, you have like oh, this much time to get the money, but like they were like blowing up this bomb. And, so, and like Kinnett's like committed, I'm getting that money. So he goes in this cave and he's just like kicking Stallone's ass. And I'm always curious, like, is he trying to like position him into a place where he can like do this move to him or do they do something or like, I, it's, it's just I, weird. All I don't sudden, think it is. I think it's just him getting his ass kicked, which I, I actually and then, I, I and like. Then it. Somehow, all of a sudden, he powerless him into a stalactite to kill him. <laughs> it's like if you get your ass kicked that hard, there's no way you you're like squatting and powerlifting this like <laughs> massive like massive human being. Well, I think that's where you're wrong, Michael. <laughs> you're not giving this enough credit. <laughs> Um, no, I, I agree. It, it is a pretty gruesome uh, a kill. I mean, it does feel like a reverse engineered kill as well yeah, from like, a production standpoint. That was like, that's why this is happening. Because like they're like, oh, we need to have him like take this guy up and stab him into these things, which is, you know, as an action movie fan, I appreciate. It's super fun. It's a great kill. It's a kill I, I want to type of kill I want to see in a movie. It is, it is, and I, I think um, it's fun to see. It's not fun, but I, I guess I like that the movie's choosing to put Stallone in a compromising position to get beaten by a bad guy, and it's not just and, he's well, got to be the hero. And, and it helps Stallone's character too. He's a mountain climber, like so he's strong. Yeah, it's a, he's not a fighter, so he can't right. fight, but he can use his strength to do something so it works for his character of okay he could pick this guy up and do something but when it comes to like punching kicking and like hand-to-hand combat he doesn't he has no training he doesn't know right. what to do so so it works so i appreciate that for the movie of like it fits for the character that this is how he'd be able to dispatch somebody with like pure raw strength as opposed to fighting ability uh yeah i i think it's i think it it, it they sell it well. I think it's a good interaction with the two of them. And I like, um, I like how Leon just shit talks him the entire time. He's kicking his ass. It's like a, it it just sets up, it sets up for a fun payoff. Um, for the, it's funny as like an action movie fan. This is like, Oh, Leon, you're making a lot of mistakes here. Like, Oh yeah. Stop, stop talking, man. Like, yeah. What are you doing? It it is fun though. You're you're right. It does feel like they they may they could be setting it up where he like they they show Stallone crawling into like a bunch of uh, stalactites and it's like, oh, he went from like this kind of rocky area to now it's just a bunch of sharp, pointy, yeah. horrible looking things. Um, it, and it's like, it, oh, gee, I wonder what's gonna happen here. Advantage game. <laughs> so I um I I really liked uh, that fight, and then it, that that kind of tees up the the ending. Where I believe uh, Gabe and 
Jesse gets separated. And yeah. then, of course, so um, she get, Jesse gets so Quaylen gets kidnapped. Yeah. And she, or, the hell it, <laughs> yeah, we're skipping over a lot of evil Quaylen stuff, but he gets the helicopter and and uh, sadly sadly frank dies i i really want to buy the uh frank painting his he has a series he's working on of reversing nature so he has a painting where uh you it's know, a you normally banana expect, eating a monkey yeah you normally expect a monkey to eat a banana but this is a banana eating monkey and i would love to track down this painting uh <laughs> I, I how how couldn't appreciate it, but I think I think I'm capable of appreciating Frank's work. But uh, so you, you appreciate the sort of stoner vibes that that Frank's <laughs> work is putting off. <laughs> oh man, I love that Frank is like the '60s version of those like stoner Mountain Dew extreme dudes, and he stayed so? up here working, and now he's just like painting and flying a helicopter in the mountains. <laughs> What if he's just their dad, and and like that's the whole backstory <laughs> is that nobody really knows who their their parents are, and they're actually brothers who are who are Frank's kids, not yeah, unlike the plot of yeah, uh, like, yeah. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Five, <laughs> and their death right. motivates Frank to uh, to do to all a bunch of horrible things. Oh, yeah, sadly, sadly, uh, Hal try Hal tries. He wants to warn Frank not to land that helicopter. But they have a gun to they have a gun to hell's head. It is kind of sad because Frank you, comes down. Yeah, you watch they, you watch uh, Frank just get gunned down pretty pretty horribly. Yeah, by it's a pretty brutal death, and it, it feels like Frank has been there from the beginning to die. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because they know, all right, they know like Sarah's going to die at the very beginning, but then, um. Everyone else, Janine, Gabe, Hal, are all going to survive. So we need one more per character to die, like during the rest of the movie. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I'm sorry, Frank. <laughs> That's why I love Frank. It's like it's, he was just a doomed character to begin with. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he he he's a layup for just being murdered for plot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, hundred percent agree. Um, I liked uh. I, I like the 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 final fight too between this uh, the 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 death of Frank tees up um, Frank passing a knife that he has um, yeah. hidden hidden on yeah. him to to uh, Hal and then Hal there's a uh, a soccer a soccer themed South African Delmar uh, uh, <laughs> Lamar what's his name is it Lamar Delmar El or Delmar that's right it's played yeah. by a, a guy named Craig uh, Fairba Fairbrass I thought that was actually a former soccer player it's not oh so all that soccer stuff is just like it's just it's just like a in. weird character choice where so this character is very focused on soccer and um somehow stitching that soccer into his um into his character's personality traits and so right before he kills uh, or tries to kill uh, Hal, he just keeps making these weird soccer references about how he's a striker about to to kick a goal. It's and like, he's doing like play by play. And it's like, weird. It's like, yeah, it comes out of nowhere and they just keep going with it. It's like, guys, this wasn't working and you're just doubling down on it. But oh, they doubled right. down a lot. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then I, I will say that probably the funniest line in this entire movie 
is delivered by um uh by Hal and he just it, it, like he he basically stabs um Delmar in the leg I think he stabs him in the leg and then it makes Delmar double over and his shotgun that he has slung over his shoulder rotates around and Hal grabs it instead of shooting him he takes an extra two or three seconds to stop and deliver a line that just says season's over asshole <laughs> shoot through in the face of the shotgun and then there's a there's a long shot away from it where you can see this body falling off the mountain and uh what's his name um uh travers is like i told him to do it quietly damn it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just like jesus christ it's um uh, i really i really like that entire sequence because it's so one um uh uh, Rooker delivers just a fantastic uh, kind of line. To... You need Rooker to have a moment, finally. He does, because he's gotten his ass kicked pretty much the entire movie. Yeah. But that's yeah, a really fun like, setup. It's, it's a weird scene, but like, I get it, they needed Rooker to have a moment, but then it doesn't entirely work, but like, the Rooker like, season's over, asshole, that is fantastic. Oh, I, I love it. It's my, it's my favorite line in the movie, because and... It feels earned and it feels um uh like you're you're kind of satisfied to see Delmar get it because he's just been kind of a shithead. I mean he's a henchman, but he's always already a bad guy, but he's just been kind of like a even worse bad guy throughout the movie. So it's it's well deserved. So, uh, I, so Michael Rooker, aside from Guardians of the Galaxy and this, mm-hmm. um what do you like, think of him from? Uh, Rowdy from Days of Thunder. I, I have a buddy who's like okay. super into Days yeah, of Thunder yeah, growing yeah, yeah. up. So I just get, he's a guy that's been around forever and stuff, and it's always fantastic and great. I'm just curious, yeah, where you're. I've, I've never seen it, but um, he was in. Well, oh fuck, I forgot. He he plays uh the 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 dad in Mallrats, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, but um, uh, Henry Portrait of a Ser- Serial Killer is supposed to be a pretty pretty dark yeah. movie i've I, again haven't seen it i want to what i, well, I want to see it on one level i i don't want to see it because i've heard it's it's pretty pretty dark you, it, it is um and it, it's actually uh creepily enough it's based off of a serial killer that, that was based out of jacksonville yeah uh, i it, would really get why you wouldn't want to uh henry lee lucas and um Otis tool and uh, that's that's kind of what the the premise is. The premise of the movie is based around those guys, and they they operated out of uh, downtown Jacksonville for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, but I, I I do think a lot of, of of him from from Days of Thunder, and um, I'm trying to look through. And I really like the movie The Replacement Killers. He plays the detective Same. in that. Same that that one always stands out to me for him. Of but yeah, that he I enjoy the cop he plays in that. Mm-hmm. that's probably a little bit underrated as an action movie it's not i don't think it's a, it's not a john woo movie but it, it, it's got kind of all the it's, trappings of a john right john it's movie. more hollywood but it's trying to do the john woo yeah i think it's antoine fuqua directing that but yeah it's about, that's right yeah it's that's that right. kind of uh but yeah no he's very good in that. I, yeah yeah i do enjoy him a lot but but I forget he's he's been in a lot. I forgot he was in oh, JFK. Yeah, he like, plays yeah. the um the assistant like Tombstone. And yeah. Like, yeah, he plays the assistant to um uh Kevin Costner in, in J and JFK. He's in Tombstone. Um, 
He, so I, I was so happy when he came up in a Guardians of the Galaxy in that picture. I was like, oh, like, good, Michael Rooker. Like, yeah, he's, like, he's good. He, he's a fun actor. So, I guess some, a- some, there are some actors I hate to see pop up in like Marvel movies because it's like, oh, fuck, this is person's now just stuck doing Marvel movies for a while. But, like, Michael Rooker's been like working for so long. And so, like, oh, I'm really happy for him to like get a moment. Yeah. Like, in, in, like, a good role of, like, oh, you're going to be in multiple of these and be working, and this is going to lead you to work more and probably lead you to bigger stuff, potentially. Like, audiences are going to know you more. and Like, you deserve recognition. Like, yeah. Oh, like, the... the so he plays Yondu in um, the first two Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's almost like a... Sounds weird to say it, It's almost like a tearjerker. At yeah. the end, when he, when his character dies, because he 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 he's sort of the surrogate father for for Peter Quinn, and he does a great job just delivering. Like you know, he's been kind of a hard ass the whole movie, and then all of a sudden he's this this very emotional, sweet, loving character. At the very end, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I really like. I, you're right. I, I really like him in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of um, Chris Pratt. I feel like we're kind of at our saturation point with him, but I do think Rooker's really good in that. Um, him and and Batista are probably underrated for that for that yeah. movie. I'm I'm fine with Chris Pratt on like the existing characters. Anything new, I'm kind of like I, I want to see him do something new. Then, like if it's if it's gonna be something new, like I want to see him like drama take on a, cha- take on a challenge, take on a different role. Yeah. Uh, but just to keep playing like the characters, it's like oh that's fine. That's who that character is. Um, but yeah, I, I appreciate having Michael Rooker in that role of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like you have an actor who could be this hard ass pirate guy and then pull off the emotional scenes in a sequel that you need to pay off at the end. And it's like, yeah, that's why you cast someone like that, because they can he can do that, which he he can and he does that in in, in Cliffhanger too. Because he can be is melodramatic. At times with uh, Stallone <laughs> in this uh, blaming him for the death of his girlfriend. He, he he is melodramatic and it's weird because they they almost make him unlikable <laughs> in, in big chunks of the movie, but but they never he never gets so far out of whack with, with Stallone that you're like, Okay, I don't I don't like him as a character or no, he's a bad yeah. guy. He and, pull, he pulls it back at the right time. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do like him. I mean, and look, we, you and I were talking about this. We're we're trying to stay downwind of it, but um, Bill Simmons' rewatchable podcast had a really <laughs> good episode on Cliffhanger a few months ago around Christmas. Yeah, and uh, a lot of that episode's focused on on Rooker and um, him. I don't know if he's a leading man, but maybe not getting the level of um roles he probably could have handled and in and, and, and the important parts of his career if that makes sense yeah he almost yeah he almost had bad timing because as we've talked about on the, a lot of our podcast right around this time 93 we're getting close to these action movies kind of drying up it's shifting yeah. into sci-fi shifting, and rooker would have been incredible if if this could have been made in like 87 and then he gets six years of the action movies of that time, 
like he would have been the supporting like the second lead in a ton of uh, and like could crush that role and it is it started drying up right around this time and so he those kind of weren't the roles coming um and so like yeah because he's a good actor he you weren't thinking about the replacement killers is like five years after this he's just you know he's a cop and like it's but it's not quite where uh action movies had been like he could have been like the gary Busey kind of roles in like predator 2 um yeah type thing like he could have done uh but yeah so i i, I really enjoy him and appreciate i i, I agree and i i think to, to your point with this um you need a you need a good number two to play sort of a behind Stallone. I think Rooker Rooker delivers on that. And I think I guess I don't know who else in in nineteen ninety three who I'm going to put in that in that same role to play play a convincing standalone yeah. number two to to behind Stallone. But yeah, because you don't want someone who's going to compete with Stallone too much. Right, and Rooker's pretty good at, at that of being like being. Yeah, not. So yeah, I can't. I can't think of who else you're gonna put in. I, I mean, like maybe the closest I can think of is like a John C. McGinley. Yeah, I get to this. I don't think he's quite as. But good I, I don't. Rookie. I don't know if he's got like he enough gets, range at this time. Right, but he's right around there. But yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that though. But it's, you see him being on the on the list. Yeah, like I, but I think if you anybody else, I feel like you would put in that role. They're going to be too big of an actor to try and that they would rival Stallone. You don't want to overwhelm that role. Yeah, yeah. So cool. All right. So Michael Rooker is the best part of the movie. Um, and uh, even if so he's a hundred, even if he's a hundred percent wrong in blaming Gabe. <laughs> well, look, the heart wants what it wants, and he wants Sarah and. It didn't work. I'm willing to cut him some slack. He's going through some grief as well. And he's coming to terms with things. And this is a cathartic experience for him too of learning like oh, I don't I don't really blame Gabe. I do still like love this guy. Yeah, that's fair. And and being like I, I'll be able to forgive him after this. I think I think they're friends again after this. Do you think they're like in a fantasy football league together after after um uh, i think they did it one year but they both just wanted to take broncos players and then they just didn't do another league after <laughs> that's probably true i'm trying to think so who so that was the year the cowboys beat the bills i mean do you think <laughs> do you think that um maybe who do you think is the bills fan of of the two of those between gabe and, and hal i mean yeah, it's gonna be hal <laughs> <laughs> He really liked Jim Kelly yeah. when he was bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah, just it, just didn't, it just never worked out for him. The like Hal's still single, and I could just. <clears throat> I feel like Hal puts a lot of his, all of his money on the bills, and that doesn't work out. And six months later, Hal it's ruining his life. Yeah, it's just like mm, all that all that insurance money he got for Sarah <laughs> just, just he just blew it on the on the bills oh, in '94 on the '93 '94 season. So I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i think i think this does uh bring us to the end of it where um there's one of the things that it's a unintentionally funny scene to me but 
It's the uh, so Quaylen has killed Crystal as a way to one up um, Travers <laughs> and, and being the the only pilot left. So Travers, yeah. by virtue of uh, pro- through process of elimination, Travers cannot kill um, uh, Quaylen because Quaylen will be the only guy to be able to fly them out using using the the Rangers helicopter. And it's funny to me because uh, Quaylen is holding a pistol on uh, Janine Turner from like 100 feet in the air. And he's threatening Gabe saying, I'll shoot her uh, through a window <laughs> one handed with a high yeah. caliber pistol. Yeah, and I think you're OK. Killer, it's like, eh, I think the, pretty, the odds are in your favor. You're going you're gonna to be able to get out of this. But um, uh, it does have a fun setup where I think. Um, Gabe uh, effectively gets Jesse out of there. I can't remember how does he disable the the helicopter because it, the the helicopter oh, gets hooked he onto throws the ladder. a bag of money into it. He throws a bag of money into it, and, and it, it's the last bag of money. So all of the money now yeah. is gone. Um, and uh, Stallone, I think, how does he do it? Because he hooks the ladder onto the the skid i think of the of the helicopter and it and it yeah. pulls the helicopter over the edge of the cliff and so then there's a fight on the roof or i'm sorry the underside of the helicopter <laughs> between Quaylen and Gabe and then it ends with uh uh Gabe getting Quaylen back into the middle of the helicopter and it's my favorite because it is such a bad shot yeah. And it's it's these these terrible reaction shots by, um, by, uh, uh on for Quaylen, uh, of like the 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 ground is is approaching and they're it's, doing these zoom yeah. in facial. Uh, <laughs> they're talking about how good the beginning is. The yeah, ending, they're doing the laughable like special effects shots to yeah. close up reaction shots. It's like oh, this isn't connecting at all. It it felt like they're like guys. We got four hours to finish with Lithgow. With, with go get a bunch of takes, and then let's like let's just call it a day. And like, you just, like we spent a shitload of money on this already. Yeah. Like, we spent yeah. one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and all we got is one semi coherent uh, zoom in reaction shot with with uh, with Quaylen. It's like oh, okay. Well, it's Stallone stepped up in multiple times. He talked about like the stunt. He gave some money. Are there some other reshoots he gave some of his own money to like fund? Like, I think he really was committed to this being a hit, but it was also like, guys, I can't fix everything. Like, <laughs> no, I, I wonder if he was getting points on the deal, like, um, on the on the box office or something like that. Because hmm, probably because well, it, this is Carol Co. and isn't this around the time they were they were bankrupt, right? Right. So he might have been able to be like, all right, if I give a hundred thousand dollars, like, I get more of the profits or like yeah yeah well and, and so Coralco was the guys it's mario Casar and, and andrew vajna that they did a bunch of the rambo movies with with stallone so these guys had made a lot of money with with working with him um now that i'm kind of looking through it because i think they produced they went bankrupt in december of 95 so two years after this and i think they made a fuckload of money off of him on Rambo 2 and 3. So my, yeah, to your point, I, I bet Stallone's wielding a pretty heavy heavy uh, stick with them when it comes to the to the profit. Especially if they're struggling. Yeah, which um, two yeah. years before they go bankrupt, I'm sure they were at this point. 
yeah if he's one yeah so i'm curious i'm gonna go one step further i'm just want to see if i'm right um did they fund uh <laughs> uh rennie harlan's big flop which was they did cutthroat island so bring it all, okay. all back together and so they they put money in for cutthroat island which was supposed to be this huge movie which um according to wikipedia matthew modine ended up replacing michael douglas and then gina davis who was was uh rennie harlan's wife at the time is the the, the two leads and that was supposed to I, I remember that when that came out that was supposed to be this huge movie and then i've never seen it but when they released it gigantic flop just it just didn't work and i think that was the 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 death of of Coralco. interesting yeah yeah hmm. Rennie harlan damn it <laughs> so um so yeah so um i am now going to take a quick break Ooh, and i'll right. be right back and then we're going to talk about how we're going to rate this movie ah uh, i'm excited hey we're back we are back. All right. So are we rating this already? We we've already started. <laughs> only three hours into it. Why not? Let's rate it. We still haven't talked about the Barbie I, trailer yet, which we said we we're going to do. But we'll. I'm going to be later. honest. This movie deserved the three hours. It did. I do. Which think I, this I, is, this I is actually one of my think we're just movies. a little over two. But um, do, well, sorry, guys. You say this is your favorite of the ones. I, well, we'll get to our rank. Well, okay, close. Okay. I'm we'll trying to, to spoil. Trying to spoil our rankings. <clears throat> All right, I I, I I struggled really with the rankings on this run because there are movies I loved, and I was like, how do I put that movie like ninth? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did that too. But it's like, but it's not as good as another movie. So yeah, and it's like, but I might like it more. <laughs> so, um. Uh, so this one, I think I went. Uh, I think I went a four out of five. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I I'm forget, looking, I'm looking but at, I might. I might no, go. You, you did. You four went four out of five. You went four to five. Four to five. I might bump it up to a four and a half. Uh, good, because I'm going to give it. Uh, well, four. Would you give it four and a half? What out of what? Uh. <laughs> uh. Four and a half. Four and a half. Trevor saying, "Go fetch!" Out of five. Fetch. Yeah. Um, I would give this four and a half out of five uh, piton guns <laughs> that we've already apparently dispelled <laughs> earlier in the podcast. Or <laughs> maybe not a thing entirely, but I think maybe like are now. Like I think they maybe figured out that technology or something. Like I don't know, but uh, what it swayed me to four to five. I was watching it tonight with my wife, and so I don't know. In the past like eighteen months, I think I've watched this movie like four times. And like watching it tonight, I was like, yeah, I just watched this, and I'm still like really into it. It's it's just very it's like really good, really watchable, and as we watch like this run of movies it's like th these movies aren't always that way like <laughs> yeah and like this is like pulling me in and i just want to keep watching it's good and fun and i like these characters and it's like that's it's harder to do than you realize as much as like you can bitch about problems or things it's like but it's from a place of love of like talking about like 
the scanner is unrealistic. And it's like, yeah, it, like I didn't care about it the first time I watched it, but I'm like the 12th time. It's fun to, it's fun to talk about how ridiculous that thing is. No, it is. It is. I, 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 I again, go back to, it, it's a shame that this is sort of the, 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 the punctuation on Stallone's, you know, serious action. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe demolition man is, but pretty much kind of the tail end of Stallone's action movie. And, uh, career yeah. and so it's just try to do a sequel of this yeah where he was the same character supposed to be a diehard on the hoover dam mm. and it didn't didn't it didn't work out and then he tried to reboot it again like 2008 and it didn't work out and I, yeah but do you I mean in, o, in, o, do in o, o 08 he's he's pushing 60 I mean, that's not, I don't know. Like, that's, yeah, that's too old. And I, anyway, I, I, I enjoy this. Um, I think I, I, I don't think I mentioned this earlier, but I, I remember the kid, uh, my, my god brother uh, across the street who we went to high school with, um, he uh, had uh, the cliffhanger poster in his room, him and his, him and his brother did. And I like that was always like the why this movie kind of resonated with me was it was a big deal and it was like yeah it's it's Stallone it's, it's action it's it's got cool stuff going for it and... no this movie was a big deal when it came out it's and understandably so because it holds up well so at that time it had to really be something to see in the theater I uh, there's there's times where I've gotten to a point in my life where I'm like I've made enough money or I make enough money that I'm like. I really would just like to spend it on renting out a theater and just watching questionably questionable quality movies just so I can see them on the big screen. This is kind of one of them where I'm like, be fun I, to just... I also kind of want to research that because it's like theaters are struggling enough. If I wanted to like get cliffhanger at a theater, like I, I think you can do it. I think it's like a well, reasonable. What thing would it cost? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I, so, I yeah. I want to. I need to research what that would, what that undertaking would be. I, like, I think it's like less than three hundred, four hundred dollars. Like, it's not. Like, it's not like a crazy <laughs> amount of money. And I'm just especially if you get the theater to also be like, okay, it's like a Tuesday night. Yeah, like they need the money anyway. So why At not? Seven p.m. One theater showing cliffhanger. From 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., like, which, which reminds and, me of what is this? Yeah, I'm pretty sure when you and I went to go see Star Trek Nemesis, we were the only two people in the theater. So it's like, oh, we were. Their net sales on that 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 movie for that that time block or for that one theater were like twenty dollars. Like, I at best, like, that's yeah. yeah. Best. I mean. So it's like I'm sure they would probably do it. There's been a bunch of stuff like, um, again, I'm a, I'm a big Carpenter fan. This is. Well, it's our it's our fortieth birthday this year for you and me and Jay and and, and our our friend William and uh, um, no not not Jay he's well Jay's technically technically yeah. too so you me and William yeah, um uh, are, are forty this year but uh <laughs> it's like the it's the fortieth anniversary of Christine and I'm like man it'd be kind of cool to see that on 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 the big screen or you know see this where this is thirty years old this is thirty years old this year wow we didn't even talk about yeah. that earlier but holy <laughs> shit. And uh, it would be cool to see some of these movies that are shot shot wide, have these really expansive, interesting um, uh, perspectives on the big screen. And I, 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 you know, 
I've been tempted to just be like, what? Like my wife was asking me for my for my birthday, like, what do you what do you want to do? And part of me is like, <laughs> well, I don't want to be honest about it, but I'd like I'd love to just be able to get my friends together and watch some of these movies on, yeah. on the big screen and just rent a theater. It's like, all right, if I throw like a grand or two at it, can I? It you know, seems reasonable. Yeah, it's like, can we can we just get <laughs> a theater know. for a th- theater for a day? And it's and like just, that'd be pretty. Yeah, pretty. Awesome. Yeah. So watch this space. Maybe maybe we'll end up doing that. But I mean, I, I'd love to be able to 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 <laughs> pull that off. I've been really telling my wife for like my fortieth. I, I hope you're messaging the same thing pretty hard. It's just like. <laughs> <laughs> and like not quite that but i'm really messaging hard like please talk to me about anything i do not want any like surprise stuff really that sounds awful yeah. uh, i just like i like I, there's always so much going on and it's so busy it's like if you try to do a surprise thing i have no idea where i'm gonna be at in that moment <laughs> like it, it is just like potentially gonna be like the worst thing i want at this time or like like and if you're doing something really good, I'm gonna. It'd be really exciting to like look forward to it as well, and be excited about it. Yeah, fair. I had fair. I had uh, Anna had been pressing me pretty hard about doing something, and I, I I just from a schedule with work standpoint, I just really didn't have the bandwidth to to, to commit to anything around my birthday. That's what I kind of feel is like. I don't know what's gonna be going on that time. Like the kids, like. I don't know, my daughter's doing, at that time, will probably be in, like, cross-country, and she could have a cross-country meet, and sometimes those are far away. And it's like, I might be driving her to, like, a cross-country meet that day, and, like, need to do that, and, like, I, I, yeah, so I don't want to be locked into this thing, or, like, yeah, so it's just, I don't know, it's, it's part of being an, an adult. Like It is. I mean, my, my birthday was uh, anticlimactic. My uh, my youngest managed to put his ass through a screen, the, the screen door on our porch leading to the pool so i spent right. uh, an hour and a half of my 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 birthday always remember res- that yeah rescreening my 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 porch door <laughs> so that i could make sure uh animals don't get out or get into our wow. our, our place so yeah, huge it's... ass on, huge ass on that kid oh no wins wins 100 built like my family which is not good for him Dude, dude's got dude's got an ass on him. So Car- Carter's <laughs> built like Anna's family, and and Wins unfortunately built like my family for him. So, um, um, I look at him and I'm just like, it's crazy to have two kids and they're three years, three and a half years apart, and the and the younger one is beginning to catch up to the older one <laughs> in terms Ooh. of size. <laughs> so it's like, ugh. and Carter start eating some proteins, <laughs> steroids. Steroids. We're gonna use find steroids. out what's still still ended. Uh, I'm pretty sure he just did HGH. <laughs> if I could kind of read between the lines, uh, like kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear it Stallone. Um, you hear him talking about it a lot in Rocky three and four about his his diet and his fitness level. In this, you don't really hear about it, and I'm just kind of wondering, <laughs> like, eh, maybe this is just purely purely uh, uh medically induced uh, uh, yeah capability. Well, always like glaring to me that I'm sure he did. It's also the like when you watch like Cobra and he like uses the scissors to cut the like the pizza. Yeah, and it's like yeah, I think that's how he eats pizza because like I think that 
he does not ever eat carbs. Like he's no, he does a really strict diet. Of- and and being forty and and not having worked out in a while, I'm starting to kind of get behind. Like, well, that makes sense. That's not actually not a bad idea. <laughs> like, yeah, that's probably a healthy right. way to eat pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, I if I eat three slices of pizza, like my body feels it for like multiple days. Oh yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, I'm 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 already regretting how many beers I've had tonight because it's gonna it's gonna come back. Yeah. So um. All right, so we're both four and a halfs uh, out of five. Uh, yeah, this is the end good. of the run. So what we're good. gonna we're gonna do is we're gonna do a follow on episode to rack and stack all the movies we've talked about for this run. And do we ever have an official name for this besides Die Hard on a Blank? It was that, that's yeah, that's Die Hard on a podcast. Die Hard on a podcast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're gonna rack and stack all of those, and then I think. In that episode, we're hopefully going to be giving everybody an idea of what we're doing next. Oh, we, we have will. a lot of ideas. We'll give it and, hard. Oh, yeah. Really hard. And uh, then we're going to um, hopefully announce not long after that what, what, what's coming next and, and, and what we want to do for oh, yeah. the summer. Um, probably some more canon movies at some point. And, uh, <laughs> um, did, did you get the email I sent you? I did. I replied okay. to you, too. Okay. There's going to oh, be some- some good patriotism in, in those as well. So, okay. all right, all right. I'm going to open up my email here. <laughs> Are you going to do this live <laughs> while we record? Oh, I, I thought we were like wrapping up, so I could. Uh... <laughs> Wait, let me let me read your email to me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fuck! Riveting. <laughs> no, no, no. This was really fun, and I was trying to rank them today, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like. This was maybe more fun than I even realized because I am hard. struggling. Hard I am struggling really hard to rank these because, like, I Same. feel bad wherever I'm putting, like, it, like bumping some of these down. Yeah, yeah, it's is a good one. Well, then I am gonna pause. Or we're gonna stop recording this. So we can go back on and record the uh, the ranking episode. But we look forward to talking about you next week and uh, announcing what we have coming next. Goodbye. Chicago. Chicago.